up y'all check this out i can't get her off of me she's now lying but now that i started videotaping she'll get off we were going on a walk to get away from her she doesn't want to walk she just said she oh look at this look at this look at this now she's pretending now she's pretending that she's the victim. Get out of our way so we can go on a walk. Hold on, give me her. She won't let us out of the room. We'll go out the window. We'll go out the window. You're not safe. She's been playing with toys. She's been playing with toys like a child. She just told me to Google trauma response 
uh, we were having a conversation and she started doing like some kind of silent ballet shit. I'm gonna go out the window or the door. Which one do you want to allow me to go out? I can't take my. I'm on a child abuse registry. The other day she was saying, "That's so crazy that they did that. I didn't never want that. That's obviously stupid." Now she's lying. She doesn't trust me with her. <laughs> you see, everybody's gonna know that's a lie because obviously she's been with me for the past many, many, many days. Yeah, 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 she hasn't been alone with me. We haven't gone on walks all the time. She hasn't said, oh my God, you're see, this is the kind, these are the kinds of lies she tells. I don't consent to this woman. Yeah, well, here, it's ha yeah, here it is happening. Like here it is happening. I didn't consent to you grabbing my neck and not letting me go and trying to shut my mouth with your hand. We were playing circus. Yeah, we were playing circus, that's right. Oh yeah, we're still playing circus, right? I'm not pushing you. You're holding me in the room. I'm opening the door. I'm opening the door. I'm opening the door. Shiraz not letting me leave. That may be the case. I'm not letting you leave with her. Go ahead, call the police. I'll show them the video. Go ahead, go ahead. She's going to be fine. She's going to be fine. Well, she's going to be fine. Don't worry. Don't touch my backpack. Don't touch my stuff. Don't touch me. Get away from me. That's not okay to Get away from me, Sarah. She's grabbing my nuts. I'm about to hit her in the face. I'm about to hit her in the face because she's she's hurting me. Get away from me. Walk to the other side of the room. Get off of me, Sarah. Bullshit lies. We'll check the weather. We'll check the weather later. It's about 65 degrees. Because you've been hurting her and hurting me. What happened to calling the police? Oh, you don't want to call the police because you know you're, you've got evidence now that you're the perpetrator and I'm the victim. This is you and now everybody's going to know this is you. It's what you've been doing for years in our relationship, playing like a victim. No, not true. The video shows it's true. Yep, she's in my arms. She's fine, except for that her mom's physically assaulting her dad in front of her. Disappear with her? Where would I go? I don't know. I do not trust you. Oh, you don't trust me, huh? No. Yeah? But you were the one just choking me, right? I was not choking you, Oh, yeah, you weren't choking me. I just started video. Oh, you got on my back. You were just on my back, holding on to my back. We were just playing. Oh, yeah, we were just playing. Ooh, this is making you look bad. Everybody's going to know this is a lie. Your whole fucking lie is coming apart. Your whole lie is coming apart. I do not want to disappear with her. That I'm not going to disappear concern. with her. We're going to the park like we always do. You're not going to the park. We are going to the park right now. We're going to get a smoothie. What kind of smoothie do you want? What kind of fruit do you want on that smoothie? Strawberries. Strawberries. Oh, yeah, you like those. Okay, so here's what happened just now. I tried to have a reasonable conversation. I said, she said something like, I want to protect Tundra. I said, you can't protect Tundra right now. You're attacking me physically. That's what's making Tundra distressed. You are making Tundra distressed. She said, I didn't try to attack you. I said, oh, video's going back on if you say that. Uh, and then she said it again, the video's going back on. She didn't try to attack me. She was just grabbing me, putting her hand on my throat while I tried to speak, throwing, hitting me with shoe, grabbing my testicles, trying to squeeze them, kicking me, jumping on my back, trying to prevent me from leaving, barring the door. This is who Sarah is. And everybody's gonna see this. 
and they're going to know that this is who you are. All right. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Onyx Report, where we as black male justice advocates use uh, critical analysis to uplift black men and boys. So basically, um, I showed that for those who are longtime supporters of the show. You know that uh, that was a clip from a while ago. A gentleman I brought on the show talked about his experience in regard to custody of his child, his experience with his ex, all these kinds of issues after he experienced direct intimate partner violence. Today, um, he, he comes back to kind of update us on where things are. Uh, so that being said, uh, before I bring him up, let me quickly acknowledge uh, those who came through. Like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. Support the show if you will. Appreciate that. Shout out to uh, Great I-9, first one in the building. Blood Crow, Indico, Indigo, what's up? Shout out to Dardar, appreciate the cash app. Shout out to Aaron, Joe Average Brothers, Brother Spain Man, good to see you in here. Barry, Christopher, good brother Malika, Fred, good to see y'all in here. Barry, appreciate that support. Says tuition drop, support the scholars. Uh, <laughs> much appreciated, man, much appreciated. Raheem, what's up? Um, you know, Brother Malika, appreciate that support. Right. Uh, Barry holding it down with the info about the show, much appreciated. Check out the 17-point blackmail political agenda. Uh, and we do have elements uh, dealing with abuse in that agenda. Um, so you'll probably see a little bit of, as to why, as far as this is concerned. Uh, shout out to Tim, KJ, what's up? Uh, Afro National, what's going on? Um, you know, uh, Ryan, Anthony, uh, just kind of wanted to greet those of you coming through. MF Doom, what's up? Dead Set, hey man, what's going on? Um, yeah, D. What's good. Uh, shout out to Ghetto User. Appreciate that support. Thank you very much. Uh, Y'all support the show. You know, like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. The semester for me is coming to an end, so I'll be able to get back to some regular programming. Um, so it's just been a real long and arduous one, but we're almost at the end of it. Uh, Wednesday's the last class. Finals is next week, so things will even out soon enough. Shout out to Reynolds. Shout out to Donnie. Um, AKs and curtains, what's going on? Um, yeah. So anyway, so let me go ahead and welcome good brother up here so we can get into what's happened since. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? Good, good. Why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself uh, to the audience again? Yeah, my name is Troy Pasalka. I'm uh, I was born in Chicago and I went to uh, Cornell University and WashU Law School, and uh, and I was on the show before um, talking about uh, that video pretty much. Uh, although I only had put uh, smaller clips of it on on online at that point, um, but uh, but um, just to just to summarize it or whatever. And uh, anyway, I was. Uh, had the situation where I um, decided to have a child with this woman who then due to various factors, largely personality disorders caused by childhood trauma, uh, just started acting crazy and violent and all kinds of things. And then abducted my child in the middle of 2021 for the fourth time or something. And uh, because I wouldn't get back with her, um, she, before you, before you continue, tell me, 
Um, how long were you with her before you started to see this type of behavior? Sure. Um, we, we met in the middle of 2016. Everything was perfect. Everything was fine. Um, there's a Facebook post. Uh, her, she's months later, she's like, my life is bliss. You know, uh, thank you so much, Troy. And, uh, and everything, everything was fine. Everything was perfect. Um, we decided to have a child the day after the child was conceived, like the next morning, um, she, uh, like the whole next day, she was, she started doing this like lying stuff, uh, about various things and we can get into that. But, but anyway, so it was the day after we conceived our child a couple months into our relationship or so. Um, and, uh, and she later told me years later, um, she texted me this book. Once I got her into therapy, after I finally convinced her to do intensive therapy. She texted me this book about how, well, one of the chapters this is what she was referring to is how childbirth can trigger sexual trauma for kids. Because for example, in her case, her mother abandoned her as a kid. And then she was digitally penetrated by young girls. So her, so she had this thing in her mind about penetration by young girls and our daughter was in her stomach about to come out of her. Right. And so that in addition to other things and other factors and all kinds of things, I guess just changed her and just kind of made her a different person. And then as she, as she kind of, uh, escalated and attacked and all kinds of things. Then this like feedback loop happened where she would interpret the conflicts that she caused as her own oppression, or at least she would claim to. And that made her even worse. So overall, this is, so you met her 2016 yeah. and you guys decided to conceive within a couple of months of that time period. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, a couple, couple months, although, for most people, uh, we were together all the time for those months. So it, it felt like in mo most relationships it might feel like a year or two above, but, uh, but yeah, I had a job where, uh, I didn't need to be any particular place often and, and kind of same with her. And we were just, right. you know, ha hanging out for months on time. But you're saying things were fine until something triggered her in regard to the pregnancy. So this was before <laughs> she delivered. This is the day after we had sex to have the baby. Okay. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So this, this comes on pretty early, but at this point, uh, you've kind of gotten in with both feet, uh, you know, toward the beginning and you're, you're noticing things are going sideways, uh, but you're already in it. She's pregnant. Yeah. And, and that day I said, after she did this, she escalated this conflict. I said, um, we should terminate this pregnancy and and the relationship because uh, i already see how this is going to go uh you're a pathological liar and you know whatever and so and she refused to terminate the pregnancy and she started apologizing and stuff like that and i said okay well she's gonna she's basically so i knew at that point basically i don't, I don't know if i had the vocabulary for that at that point or understand fully what it meant but i basically knew that she was going to abduct my child at some point or like kind of then or kind of try to um, remove my child from me, which, um, if it was only going to impact me, that would be fine. I, you know, but it was going to impact the child. And cause I saw that something was off with her and with her mother. 
And she had kind of already started telling me about how all her past relationships devolved into some kind of conflict or abuse. So I knew that that child was not going to be safe um, without me. So then I stayed and, and, you know, even though I wanted to go and that kind of, that pattern repeated itself for a, you know, a little over four years. Okay. So it went uh, four years. Now the video I showed, how far, how many years into the relationship was that? That is uh, a little bit more than three years into the relationship. Three years. Okay. So yeah. tell us roughly where we la left off last time and then kind of update us on what's happened since. So at the end of the, the last show we did, um, we, you know, I showed some, some pictures of you and your, your, your new family, things were going really well. Um, but where were you in regard to your baby's mother? Where was that situation at the end of the last interview? Sure. So I can't remember the exact date or place right. in the timeline, but basically we had talked before about how she had brought it false fraudulent litigation against me. I had already defeated it with, you know, videos and texts and emails of her admitting that I wasn't abusive and wanting to have more kids with me throughout our relationship and offering custody to 50, 50 custody to me as I tried to amicably separate from her. Um, but uh, so anyway, I defeated that legislation. The judge had told, had told me that uh, she had, I think by this point, the judge had denied there's a there's a law that says basically whoever wins that litigation should get their attorney's fees paid as long as the other person has money to pay them and she does and uh, he said no i'm not going to make her pay no real reasoning or anything and and i had started an appeal on that case um so that i can get my fifty sixty thousand dollars back or whatever um from the first litigation and there had been some temporary custody nonsense going on um, basically that same judge, um, and we can get into more of the detail. I didn't really tell you how exactly the trial went. We, it's kind of an interesting story. Maybe we can get at that at some point if, if you want, but anyway, that judge, uh, based on some FaceTime video where my kids sobbing, begging her mother to come so that to, to be able to see me and, um, and, uh, and I'm singing to my daughter and trying to like comfort her and stuff uh, based on that the judge said well you didn't try to comfort your daughter and I don't know and she's distressed so we're taking away custody from you and uh, and uh, well, this is this what year well what year did the judge the end, the end of the trial was the end of 2021 okay. so basically I had been I had she abducted the kid in mid 2021 and then she spent a month trying to get back with me and then when I said I'm going to take you to court if you don't let me see my daughter. Then she said, okay, I'll let you see your daughter. And then didn't. And five days later filed domestic violence litigation against me so that she could frame the situation herself. Okay. Um, and then at the trial, she dragged out the trial and she in collusion with the judge, perhaps dragged out the child, the trial for about six months or so during which I couldn't see my child. And, and, um, and, uh, and then, and then at the end, at the end of 2021, the judge said, okay, she loses the case because she has no evidence of abuse and all her claims basically have been disproven. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, but I'm going to do this temporary, temporary quote unquote custody thing that ended up lasting five months or so until it, it, it was basically renewed for no reason. Um, 
And, uh, and right at the end of 2021, when she lost, she soon filed uh, a motion for reconsideration or a new trial or whatever. She wanted to do the whole thing over or just win, even though she had just lost. And so that took enough, that- went, Wait, wait, took, wait, wait, wait. So yes. she wanted to redo the case. Yes, yes. So she filed a motion. So uh, she filed a motion saying, um, it was kind of like three motions combined. She wanted a reconsideration. So she was just asking the judge, you know, you gave your opinion, but think about it again and give me a new, give me, you know, tell me what you think. Okay. But she said, if, if you're not going to do that or whatever, if you, if you, or if that's not enough to make me win, let's do a new trial. Let's just do it all over again. And, and or, or um, yeah, basically it was just those two, essentially there was a third thing, but it was, it's kind of like covered by those two. So, so then I had, and the only reason she filed that, uh, well, I mean, probably to keep up her story among her social circle that she was wronged or she, you know, lost unjustly or something, but also because child custody determinations were going on and she wanted to overwhelm me with shit to respond to. So she just filed this again. So I have to go through all the transcripts of everything the judge decided and all the evidence and just present the entire case again in paper. Um, and, uh, and so that I can't, you know, so I don't have time to like get into all of her finances and the, you know, depositions for this and that and whatever. And I, you know, so anyway, so yeah, by March of 2023, that's when the judge heard there were some COVID related delays too, allegedly. And by March of 2023, um, like the court system kind of shut down and still partially shut down, I think in California, by March of 2023, the judge had a hearing on her motions. You know, my attorney showed up, her attorney showed up, whatever. And they talked a little bit and the judge said, I'm keeping the ruling from before. And he might've been a little bit pissed or something about the fact that she wanted to redo it. I, I don't know. Maybe she, maybe he, maybe even though he seemed to be colluding with her attorney, um, perhaps he was like getting annoyed at them. Cause like, it was just so obvious. And so anyway, at that hearing, he watched that. He didn't watch that video, but he said about that video, um, you know, she, she's probably commit. Uh, she, I don't know the exact phrasing. He said something like, "She's probably committing a crime against him." Like, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, something like that. Um, so anyway, um, which obviously she committed multiple crimes against me. <clears throat> the only reason he didn't say that, <coughs> and um, and before in November twenty twenty one. He was like, oh, I don't know. I have more. I have questions every time. I have more and more questions every time I watch that video. It's like, well, you, we just had a trial. If you had questions, just ask the questions. Like, but he, 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 he wanted to basically ignore that video so that he could do whatever he wants uh, with custody and with the domestic violence stuff and all this stuff. Uh, there's a law in California. It's called Section 304 that says like any domestic violence by in the last five years, one act, that parent is presumed not to get custody. And, and, uh, he didn't follow that at all. And that law actually forces judges to inform, uh, parties that the law exists. I didn't know about the law during the whole trial, uh, nor did my attorney tell me about it. And, um, and, uh, but he didn't tell me that it existed either. Um, he, you know, so anyway, um, so that's what happened after. So that's what happened after the trial from November to March, basically. And then there's been, then after that, there was, child support hearings, which we can talk about. There was an interesting hearing at the end of 2022 where um, basically 
the attorney that had been appointed for the child, who was just colluding with her attorney, um, and refuses to talk to me and refuses to look at evidence from me and you know stuff like this. The attorney for the child found out that I'm filing domestic violence litigation against her. And she filed a motion in Ventura County Court, the original court, saying, Judge, please stop him from filing in other counties, even though nobody lives in Ventura and hasn't for years. And um, please stop him from filing in other counties. And she admitted during the hearing that there was no legal basis or authority for him to grant that order. But she asked for it anyway. And the judge, even though this is a new judge, and even though this judge is even worse than the first judge, he thought, I think, that that would raise some red flags if he granted that a motion that abusive and that infringing on people's legal rights. Because basically, you could file a lawsuit whatever, wherever you want, whenever you want. You, know, you, you have a right to do that. Now, the judge you file in front of can dismiss it or whatever, but you don't you cannot be stopped from filing a lawsuit. But they wanted to keep it the litigation within Ventura County where their uh, criminal conspiracy, uh, I, I can only assume it's criminal conspiracy, is maintaining itself. And they didn't want to get out. Uh, so anyway, um, so that happened. And some other things happened. Like before before I filed elsewhere, I filed a motion saying, just transfer just transfer the case to somewhere else, to Los Angeles, because that's where everybody is. Um, there's no reason to be in Ventura County. The child's not in Ventura County. Nothing's happening in Ventura County. Transfer it. The witnesses are not in Ventura County. Transfer it to Los Angeles so we can proceed with child support and whatever else. And they denied that and refused to give any reasons for their denial. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so certain so certain legal maneuverings have been happening since then. But the most important thing that's been happening since I won and then re-won in March of 2022 is that I've been trying to get relief protection from Los Angeles courts. And basically the way California domestic violence law works is that you can file something without including the other party, your abuser. And if you show evidence that you've been abused, you get a restraining order issued immediately. And then three weeks later, the, uh, the party who the restraining order is issued against has a right to have a hearing or a trial or whatever, and they can dispute it. And then that temporary restraining order can be turned into a full restraining order or can be just or, or, or can just expire and there's no more restraining order because abuse has not been shown. So I've been filing for the last six months, year, uh, various filings in, in Los Angeles, but they're all saying essentially the same thing. I was abused. Give me the restraining order. And the judges who in Los Angeles who have, have been receiving these say, yeah, they, there's like a checkbox. Yes, you were abused, essentially. Uh, but no, we're not going to do anything for you, um, which is a total violation of the law. And, they, and sometimes. Hold on. Wait, wait. Have they provided any rationale as to why they, they've come to that conclusion? Right. Even so. so the yeah, they've they've sometimes provided rationale, not more than one sentence or a certain checkbox or something. Their rationales are all nonsense. One of the one of the rationales was um, recently there was a checkbox that said uh, there's, there's a checkbox that was left unchecked. It says you didn't provide evidence of abuse. So they didn't check that said, OK, you provided evidence of abuse. It said something like you uh, didn't provide sufficient detail or something like that. Now, that is insane because because I provided the video 
which has more than sufficient detail. And I provided certain other allegations and, um, and I have appealed that denial. And so that's in the appellate court right now. And, you know, I wrote a, a, a little paper or whatever motion saying, um, this is absurd. Here's a case, for example, the law is supposed to be applied equally. Here's a case where a lady had no evidence of anything, basically, uh, had a few dates here and there. It was just very vague stuff. And, um, and she was, and, and, and in that case, the, the appellate court said trial courts cannot deny when this level of evidence has been provided, when this level of detail has been provided. And it was like no level basically. And mine has much more than that. And so th there's been little justifications like that. Um, and, uh, there's also a, a law that says that you have to, that the courts have to respond to these filings within one day, like the day they get them. It's not supposed to be a complicated review process where they're going through all the evidence and thinking about things. They, just if you so, show like any proof of abuse, just boom, you get it. But they always delay ruling on my thing, on my submissions for like a week, two weeks, three weeks. Like I can't, like I call up the clerk's office. They have like a, uh, judicial assistants basically that serves like kind of like the entire LA County. And I call them up and every time I call them up to like check on the status of my filing, but my different filings, they're like, yeah, I've never seen this. I don't know why it's not happening in one day. It should have been done already. So there's all kinds of things being done to basically uh, just not follow the law. Not now, give what, now, what do you think the primary rationale is? Oh, well, here's my theory. The Ventura court. So uh, courts are supposed to coordinate with each other so that they're not issuing con uh, or so, so that they're either not issuing contrary or con contradictory orders or or that if they do, they, they're at least aware of that. And so probably what's happened is the judge in L.A. had to call the judge in Ventura and the Ventura judge is probably interfering in some way in the LA determinations. Right. Now, let me put it another way. Um, if, it, if, it's, if you were a woman, do you think the response would be faster or different? Yeah, I think the response would be immediate. Well, yeah, I mean, if I were a woman, um, then, you know, I mean, I, I would have, something would have happened in the initial trial to give me full custody. Because uh, even though my ex was the only one who filed a domestic case, violence case initially, uh, like I said, there's this law that says as soon as a judge hears allegations of abuse, he, he should investigate those expediently, like, um, like as soon as possible, and determine who needs to get custody based essentially solely on who is the abusive party and there's a video of her abusing me and there's all kinds of evidence that i never abused her and there's no evidence that i did abuse her so and we and now that's already been decided so a long time ago i should have been given custody now if we ignore that and say well how about just the recent la filings yes if i were a woman i have no doubt that i would have been given uh, restraining orders at a year ago. Oh, let me understand. So you, um, in terms of the actual current custody uh, standing, 
she com- she has complete custody? Uh, yes. Okay. How long has it been since you've been able to see your daughter? So technically, um, kind of whenever I want, I can get on a Zoom call with a therapist and my daughter. Um, now, because of all of the legal violations and manipulations and lies by the court, I have not done that because I know what's going to happen when I do that. Uh, they're going to start making stuff up. And because they already took a video where I'm consoling my daughter and said I wasn't. Where my daughter's sobbing about her abduction, begging her mom, let me see my dad. And then they blamed the distress on me. So that's when there's a video. Now, I don't think I'm allowed to take video of these supervised visitation. So who knows what they're going to say during those uh, interactions. And as importantly, two things. Number one, if I participate in those, uh, my ex, Sarah, will, as she has done on every occasion for years, attempt to manipulate that and start filing new things against me. By the way, she filed a new domestic violence restraining order case against me this year, and we can talk about that too. Um, uh, So I would have to be dealing with all of that, all of her false allegations, while I'm trying to do this other court stuff that I have going on, and it would be overwhelming. And and then there's also the the emotional domestic violence aspect of it that she would, you know, that I don't want to go through more trauma with these false accusations also, because uh, having effects on my health and stuff like that. Then the second thing is, um, if I start, so there's, there's basically two ways to handle these calls with my daughter if I wanted to do them. One is to be like honest and talk about her feelings and stuff like this. If I do that, I will be blamed for doing that. Uh-huh. If I explain to what, what's, what's happening to her as she says like, dad, what's going on? You know, wh- when can I see you? If I, if I tell her the truth, I'll be blamed for distressing her. And when you say the truth, what do you mean? Oh, like if she says, like, there's a video that I recently watched. It's a video of me FaceTiming with my daughter um, a couple months after the abduction in mid-2021. And uh, my daughter wants to see me. And her mother is like hovering over her, not in the camera. She makes sure she's not on the camera but she, she's constantly talking to the daughter throughout the video. And the daughter's like, I'm, I'm like, Tundra, my daughter, I'm like, focus on our conversation. We don't need to involve your mom, but she's being kidnapped by her mom and held hostage by her mom. So she, she probably emotionally, who she's con- entirely dependent on for her physical health and food and stuff. So she probably feels the need to like check in with her mom and make sure she's not going to be punished. Okay, so so anyway, her mom keeps telling her the word yes, as she says, because the kid's like, can I go see my dog? The, the mom keeps saying the word yes and saying, but saying other things. Then the kid, Tundra, keeps telling me, she said, I can come see you. She said, I could see you today. She said, I could see you tomorrow. I'm like, okay, Tundra, that's not true. She's trying to trick you. And, and, and Tundra's response sometimes is to sob because she knows it's true. Sometimes 
she defends her abuser. No, she's not lying um, because she's being brainwashed. And so I say, okay, okay, Tundra. So just ask her if, she, if you can, she can bring me, because Tundra will say, you know, uh, can I, can I go tomorrow to see him? And her mom will say something like, yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. Or, or, or yeah, uh, you know, whatever. I can't remember exactly the, the phrases, but then Tundra will say, dad, see, she says I can come tomorrow. I said, that's not true, Tundra. She said, yes, she heard you, but she didn't say, yes, you can come tomorrow. Yes, she did, dad. She said I could come tomorrow. You know, and, you know, we know what happened. I haven't seen the kid in two years. So, so basically, so anyway, so that's the truth. That's kind of what I mean by the truth. Like if I explain anything about what's happening and why I can't, you know, because. Well, let me, if let, I, me yeah. let me ask you this. So yeah. I know you have, you, you have a new family. Yeah. Um, how, what, when, when you, when you think about the last couple of years, yeah. How would you say this has impacted you? And what impact, if any, would you say your new family is experiencing in relation to what you're dealing with? Sure. I mean, there's monumental impact. Um, my wife is amazing. So it seems like there's no impact on the family because she picks up all kinds of slack that I can't contribute on chores or whatever because uh, you know, I'm writing these motions and I'm doing this stuff and, you know, but she just gets it all done. Um, you know, but, uh, financially it's impacted us, um, in terms of, I have to go out and write these things and go through these years of text message and do these filings and whatever, whatever my kid, like I have to, you know, leave my kids so that I can, you know, concentrate my kid cries, you know, every time I leave. Um, and, uh, and, um, you know, there, I mean, there's just endless impacts. My health's been, in, I mean, I, I'm going to submit videos with my latest filing that, um, that basically the judge who most recently two months ago said, yes, you gave evidence of abuse, but we need more details. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm part of the new filing I'm saying is like, you know, this is totally illegal what you're requiring. Um, and, and, it's and the fact that you required it has impacted my health and here's a video I, I, this was weird i while i was writing this new filing which i'm about done with and be done with in a couple of days um i was taking a nap one day and my wife took a video of me during my nap and froth is coming out of my mouth uh, i'm like what the hell is that and i look it up and it's probably you know stress related stuff right, right. and and you know I was, uh, I was on my bike also one of the days that I was writing this thing for six hours or whatever. And, um, and you know, cause the judge wants more details. So I'm going through all the details and like, where do I stop? Because I've already given enough details the first time. So, you know, what am I supposed to do? So anyway, I'm trying to put in a lot of more details and I got in a car accident cause I, I was just trying to do this turn. It's just very simple maneuver, but I, my brain was just so exhausted that I just couldn't do the control. And I just, you know, fell and I got all these scrapes on my body and stuff like that. And um, submitting those pictures. And, and these are, are normal, um, expected, predictable results of litigation abuse and judicial abuse. And you can um, look at law review articles about litigation abuse. All kinds of people report that these, this is what happens, obviously, 
when you're getting abused, not only by your abuser, but by the court system. Um, now, so hold on with that. Let's, uh, that's interesting. I want to kind of deal with that for a quick second. So how would you define litigation abuse? So litigation abuse, I mean, the first word litigation, it must involve some kind of court process. Although I guess the threat of litigation abuse could also be considered litigation abuse. The threat of false allegations, stuff like this. Um, it's a form of coercive control. Um, coercive control is coercion. Uh, control is kind of control. Coercion means control. So it's kind of redundant. But um, it's it's an abuse. It's an abusive tactic. There's other forms of coercive control, like somebody like kind of enslaving their partner and monitoring out all their stuff and whatever. But this is another form of coercive control, which is I'm going to use the court system against you if you don't comply. And um, and uh, so anyway, now, now yeah. by training, what uh, what would you say your occupation is? Uh, well, I have a law degree and I'm a licensed attorney, but I don't I, I, I practice teaching people reading comprehension and stuff like that to get into law school to take the law school test. OK. OK. So so you're you're grappling with now you're grappling with uh, litigation abuse as a trained attorney. Yes. Although uh, that's true. And um, and that gives me uh, a better opportunity to respond. respond to it than most people would have. Uh, at the same time, I've never practiced that as an attorney. And right. so and you don't really learn how to be an attorney in law school. You learn a lot of stuff, but it's not necessarily all practical. And uh, so I've had to, but but now that I've been in the system for a couple of years, I kind of am getting more familiar with that. And that's basically how attorneys learn. They kind of go learn at a firm and how their superiors tell them how to do things and what to do and exactly. And then they use kind of their law school reasoning and reading skills and basic knowledge of, of the law to like do, to execute those tests. But to the average guy who's never been in court, what, you know, how much different would this be had you not had some training? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's prob probably, uh, well, in some ways, if the outcome was you don't get to see your daughter for several years, something like that, you could say it wouldn't be different at all. But um, so you could say, well, all the training doesn't matter when the courts are corrupt. When courts are biased, it doesn't matter how good you are, you will lose. It doesn't matter how clear the evidence you will lose. But at the same time, that's not entirely true because I won the first case. And if I had lost, I would be paying her attorney's fees. And that would so I would so I would be paying another $60,000 or something. So um, but at the same time, uh, a person without training doing some something basically equivalent to a plea deal could maybe avoid all that, but they would get a restraining order issued against them. So anyway, it's, 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 it's hard to say exactly what one of the major things though, I think is that in a situation like I was in where, uh, uh, the, the coercive control, non partially threats of false accusations and court processes, but other things too, uh, child, mostly child abductions, um, where, where that goes on for years, there's such an accumulation of communications and evidence and stuff like this and, and experiences that it's very difficult for people to sort through all that. Um, actually, the only reason I have a pretty good grasp on 
what the narrative is and what the story was and what happened is because in part, these LA judges keep denying me relief. So I have to keep getting more and more clear about what actually happened. So, so I've had a year to think and refine like what, what happened? Why did it happen this way? What triggered what? So anyway, but many people who are not trained as lawyers can't even think about all that information in a coherent way. So I think that's one of the main differences. Now, based on the kind of stereotypes that we often hear about, you know, deadbeat fathers, black men don't want to be fathers. Why don't you just walk away? Why don't you just wash your hands of it? You got a new family, you got a new child. Why don't you just say, you know what, I'll wait till, you know, my daughter's old enough to approach me as an adult and blah, blah, blah. Why, why go through all of this? Sure. Um, well, um, a couple things. The primary concern is for my daughter's well-being. This uh, abduction and et cetera is permanently scarring for many children. Um, and this could impact her for her entire life. Thankfully, I stayed in the situation for about, you know, four years of her life. So those are the critical years in the development of the mind of a person, uh, as far as I can, as far as I've heard from the experts. And so, so hopefully I've prevent, I've been able to prevent her from my daughter from uh, being totally destroyed by the experience. Um, but yes, but it still could be harmful and it'll be less and less harmful as I, as soon as it, as, as quickly as it ends, that's when, you know, the harm will be mitigated as, as much as possible. Um, the other reason is because the law is so clearly on my side. California mm -hmm. domestic violence law it, on paper is very right. strong. Uh -huh. And so it, it, it seems like at some point I might win. Um, at, at some point, I might get the restraining orders. At some point, I might get sole custody. Now, see, so far, I've been blocked at the ex-party stage, but I still get a hearing. Now, they could just disregard the law at the hearing, too, but that's less likely. They, 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 they might feel that it's easier to get away with denying relief when the other party hasn't had a chance to make their case. But that's exactly how California domestic law is set up. You're supposed to get relief before the other party gets a chance to make their case if you can show evidence of abuse. Uh -huh. But but even then, the, the law only works to the extent that, you know, people administering the law actually follow it. Right. If they don't follow it. Right. You know, and the judges have judicial immunity. So if they disregard the law, no skin off their back, they just keep going. And now maybe... At some point, if you can uh, uh, co coordinate this uh, appeal, maybe the appeal judges will reverse them. Maybe, but if they don't, they have judicial immunity too. It, it, there's no there's no penalty really for a judge disregarding the law, um, especially in in this area in these ways. Okay. Okay. Let me uh, let me share something with uh with the uh the audience and maybe yourself to some extent uh just so we can kind of have some something to offer here um okay uh tell me something um let me see troy tell me if you can hear this 
despite st- Did you hear anything just then? Oh, I can't hear you, Troy. You're muted. I heard the word despite, and then okay, it just didn't say anything. No, that's good. That's what I wanted. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure it could come through. So um, I'm going to try and play this a little bit. Let's see if it'll let me. Um, so we can just kind of get some stuff here. Um, so check this real quick. Despite stereotypes that intimate partner violence slash homicide aggression is the sole purview of black males, it is not equal bidirectional in the black community, meaning men assault women to the same degree women assault men. And the numbers of interracial IPD homicide amongst the 40 plus million black population is negligible, with data suggesting that women across race initiate violence first while opting to use weapons more often than men, abolishing the dual model. The dual yeah, model so is the most common battery intervention program used in. I'm just going to let Snoop talk to us for a little bit. But this is the blackmail political agenda, 17 point blackmail political agenda. Number seven on there is intimate partner violence slash homicide policy reform. And so we go through the, the, the impact of the Duluth model. We looked at carceral practices. We look at abuse rates. And you can see here um, how that tends to break down. Um, roughly speaking, see if I can enlarge that a bit. Uh, you have, um, as you can see here, right, nonviolent relationships are about 84% of the time. 16% of relationships are violent. Of that, 42% is unidirectional, right? One gender uh, extending violence to another. 58% of that, uh, of that 16% of violent relationships is bidirectional, meaning both parties, male and female, are going back at each other. Out of the portion that is unidirectional, one gender extending violence to the other, uh, the majority of that, 28% versus 14, is women initiating violence. That's the first part. If you look at this, this is coming from the same study, uh, Jennifer Langrickson Rowling. Right. This came out in 2012. Rates of bidirectional versus unidirectional intimate partner violence across samples. Now, this is important across samples. This study that she did was actually a meta study of a series of studies going back to the 1980s. And I know it's hard to see on this screen, but you can look this study up yourself. And what you'll find is in Table 8, when they talk about rates of bidirectional and unidirectional violence reported among white, black and Hispanic, ethnic groups, what you find, and I know it's kind of hard to see here, is when you look at the female to male ratio of violence, right? Ratio of female to male versus male to female. For whites, it's 2.26. For Hispanics, it's 1.34. For blacks, it's 2.75. So what that means is 2.75 being the highest of the three, that the ratio of female to male violence over male to male, male to female violence is highest among the black community, meaning that black men endure more violence than any other demographic, not only of men, but women, right? So this study is really kind of breaking down the experience many black men have with violence that a lot of people don't talk about. Now we continue on, you know, we're not gonna go through this here, sexual assault and rape acknowledgement. Again, something else that black men experience in particular that people don't talk about. But I wanted to just share some basic information because there are, there, are, there are brothers out there that are dealing with physical violence, they're dealing with sexual violence, they're dealing with, and I appreciate you introducing litigation abuse. I think black men, I think if there was a study on litigation abuse, and I'm, there may be, I haven't, I've not delved into it yet. I think we find that black men ex experience this probably to an undue level. But if you're dealing with people that don't have legal training and don't have resources, this can be an extremely violent 
you know, kind of a, a bureaucratic process as it relates to men navigating this. And I think in many ways, women for generations have known that they have access to family courts in, in a very different way than men do. I think there's a comfort with that. I've listened to grandmothers tell daughters, tell granddaughters about what they should do, what type of litigation to engage in. Uh, the only time I hear men talking about it is either after it's happened or you know while they're going through it. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to bring you up here to share your story again and give some updates uh, so that men who may be going through this or know somebody who's going through this can at least be aware of some of these ideas, some of these concepts, some of the things you're doing to fight against it. And as a matter of fact, on that, one of the things you shared with me is that uh, you've actually begun to form an organization. Are you willing to share something about that with us? Sure. Yeah, there's so much that can be said about everything you said, but I'll start with the organization. Um, I started this organization. Uh, it's, it's not much of an organization yet. It's it's I'll tell you what I've done so far and, and how it's progressed so far. It's called End the Judicial Abuse of Children. Um, I think that, you know, primarily it'll be focusing on family court situations, but there's other forms of judicial abuse of children. For example, you know, stuff going on on the U.S.-Mexico border or different things, um, potentially. Um, and uh, uh, also uh, juvenile courts and all kinds of things could could perhaps fall under that barrier. But anyway, I think the, ju the, the ju abuse by court officials, not by parties who are going at it with each other or whatever. I mean, that too. But but the but the abuse by judicial officials who are, you know, trained attorneys and stuff, and they're supposed to know better, and they're supposed to be considering evidence and stuff like that. Um, the abuse of children uh, it, it, through their parents and, and just directly it is, uh, seems like something any, everybody can get behind. So anyway, I started this group um, because, like I said, the law is, is only good enough, it, it, is only as good as the people who enforce it. Mm -hmm. and, those, and those people aren't very good. So, um, but maybe they can be pressured into doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so, um, so I started this organization and I figured that any form of pressure that, we're that are gonna, is going to be applied for, for example, removing judicial immunity or d doing all kinds of things, uh, any form of pressure that's going to be applied needs people to apply it. And people are not going to be applying it if they are not even aware of what's going on in these, in these court situations. So, um, Cases like mine, where there's extensive evidence, and anybody watching in the next uh, couple of days, I'm going to be filing this uh, this uh, domestic violence case with all kinds of exhibits and text messages and videos and many more videos than are in than we've seen. Just not just this attack video, but and many others. It, cases like mine, where there's clear evidence, when where anybody can look at the evidence and come to the same conclusion. Um, I, hundreds of people have seen that attack video that I posted online and I have not ever received, received one response that was like, oh no, I think she, you know, she's the real victim here or something. You know, anybody can look at it and see what's happening. And, um, a and it gets even worse for, she looks even worse when you see more of the context. Mm -hmm. Um, like for example, on that video, she was bringing up, you know, you were on uh, this uh, child abuse registry or something, that, which is associated with the time I was falsely arrested. And then she, uh, it, it, there's all kinds of evidence around that. But basically she said that, to, told the prosecutors like, this is ridiculous, I'm gonna testify for him. Um, anyway, it's a long story. But, but, um, but anyway, cases like mine where there's very clear evidence and, and videos and text messages and all kinds of things, um, 
if we can, if I can compile, if I can help people compile a few of those cases, as many as possible, then that, and, and clearly communicate them with evidence, then that can alert people to the problem. Now, so I, so I started the group, I've been soliciting people. Uh, I'm helping one woman right now gather her evidence. Like I said, she's not an attorney and there's overwhelming amount, amount of evidence. And so I'm helping her organize that evidence and present the relevant stuff and people just don't know how to do that really. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so there's thousands of people though on Facebook groups and stuff like this that claim they're being abused. And, and some of them certainly are. And among those, there's probably, I don't know how many of those have clear evidence. You don't always have evidence of abuse, but so I'm trying to get those people that have been abused that have evidence together to get that evidence out to the public in a coherent, concise way and go from there in terms of developing tactics and strategies about how to respond to the abuse uh, that they're facing from the court system, facilitating their abusers. Um, and so, uh, but one thing I've found now, now that I've been through this experience, I, I talked to a, a lot, a lot of, there's a lot of men and a lot of women claiming that they've been abused by their partners and abused by the court system, et cetera. Uh-huh. They're both by both genders, me talking to women, me talking to men, there are very few people who, when you scratch the surface of their allegations, in my experience, that there's anything there or that, that, that is comprehensible or convincing or persuasive. Um, I was talking with one woman the other day. Um, and I think, I think my sense is, I don't know, but my sense is that women are lying more, uh, uh, falsely accusing people of abuse. I don't know if that's true, but it might be true. I was talking to one woman the other day who was like leading this effort. She, she, she had, she's got like stuff. She's kind of like me. She's, 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 she claims she's abused and whatever. And she's like doing stuff to like help others and train court officials and whatever. And so, and she was really excited when I responded to her text or whatever. And, uh, and she got on the phone with me and I, and it was a bizarre conversation because she was like offering to help me. And I was like, okay, um, I, I can send you the information. I can send you the evidence of my abuse. She was like, oh no, no need. I was like, wait, what? You don't care about, you're offering to help somebody. You don't even care. And you know, that she, this is a person who knows that many abusers claimed to be the victim, but she didn't care about whether I had evidence. Okay. That was a little strange. Mm-hmm. And so at the, at the end of the conversation, basically um, I said, okay, I'm not understanding. Yeah. You, so I was asking her, okay, can you, so you are willing to s- send a letter on behalf of your organization or various people or whatever to, to say to the judge that I'm about to file to, Hey, this is clear abuse. Please follow the clear law, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, she was like, no, she didn't want to say no, but she was like, no. And then she said, well, will you do that for my case? I said, absolutely. Of course I'll do that for your case. And she's like, okay, I'll send you 300 pages of evidence and whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. So we, we talked, we talked a little bit more and, 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 and at some point I asked her, so she, she was telling me like, oh no, that's not going to be helpful what you're asking for, because there's all kinds of cases that are well-documented just like yours and they, and they still lose and you got to do it this way. And so I was like, okay, I, I'm not understanding. Not, I, I, that's not my been, been my experience that there's lots of well-documented, clearly documented cases. So I asked her, she had asked me to review her evidence of 
her abuse. And I said, okay, so you've, you've heard me tell you that I have a video of being attacked. Do you, do you have a video of being attacked? What's your, what, what's the one piece of evidence of your 300 pages? What's, what's one piece of evidence that, uh, that is, you know, compelling that somebody can look at it and be persuaded or something. She didn't have a response. Actually, her response was to start gaslighting me and saying, well, um, oh, you know, well, I don't know. I don't want to make too many assumptions. She was like, oh, this is really triggering my trauma. Um, uh, I don't know why you're, you're like, com like comparing our situations and like saying that one's better than the other or more documented. I was like, you're the one that did that. You're the one that brought up your situation. When I was just, you were offering to help me. I said, can you do this? You were like, well, can you do it for me? Because I have too. I said, and you asked me to review your evidence. And now I'm just asking you, and you said you were going to send me 300 pages of evidence. And I, I'm asking you just, for example, do you just describe one piece one of evidence? Yeah. And, and, and so that's what I mean. If you scratch the surface a little bit on these claims, it's like very hard to tell who's the abuser and who's the victim. A lot of these people claiming to be the victim, like my ex, are the abusive party, or at least uh, they were both abusive to each other or something. I don't know what's going on, but there's very few people that I've been talking to that are ready to present actual oh, evidence yeah. of abuse. And, yeah. um, and I think that's one of the that's one of the dimensions to litigation abuse that people don't talk about. They're talking about the weaponization of the court system, uh, really, and even the culture of what's supposed to be about justice, protection, so on and so forth. You're talking about the weaponization of that, right? In such fashion that you have whole demographics that aren't even expected to provide evidence. It's not even a requirement. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many cases I've seen where men have been accused and the person accusing them doesn't have to have their name exposed. They don't have to have their identity exposed, even after it's been determined that it was a lie. They're still not really put into the public to the same degree, most particularly as the person that's been falsely accused. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to bring in some people who have shared some experiences with you. Would you be willing to engage in a dialogue with some of the some of the brothers who have gone through some oh, aspects that you have? Yeah, right, right now. If if you would, unless you want to. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just I was thinking if you're talking about a future episode or right now. Yeah, no, no, right now. It. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to put this link out into the chat. Um, now, I, Dead Set, uh, Kofa, and uh, Malika, you, you know, I'd like for the three of you, or if, if you can, I understand this is impromptu, to definitely come up. But if anybody else comes up other than the three I've mentioned, I, I'm asking that it primarily be uh, brothers who have experienced some form of intimate partner violence, domestic violence yourself, and been on the receiving end of it, of course, um, and at the, at the same time. Uh, we want to make sure that we are respectful to one another. This is, uh, first of all, in terms of what Troy's doing, willing to be public, willing to expose what he's gone through, takes a great deal to do that. Um, but also to the brothers that come up and share their experiences. Again, that takes a great deal. So I want nothing but a respectful dialogue with, with Troy and any of the brothers that come up to talk about their experiences. Because I noticed one of the things that tends to happen is people are real quick to blame brothers real quick, you know, and, and even black males themselves will quickly blame you before even hearing what you have to say. So I want to make sure that this dialogue is supportive. Um, I'm a welcome dead set up and we'll see who else comes up. I put the link in the chat. Malika's um, coming through. Uh, what's going on, good brothers? Hey, how you doing? Peace, peace. How y'all doing today? Good. So this is, uh, so this is Troy. Uh, I'm going to put the, the, the names up. Uh, so everybody can kind of see what's going on with that. So we got um, Brother Malika, we got Brother Deadset, 
you heard and well, you saw the video, I'm, I'm sure you heard uh, Troy talk about his experience. Um, Dead set, you were one of the first ones in the room to kind of start giving some responses in the chat. What's your um, immediate uh, reflection on Troy's situation, especially after you saw the video? My immediate reflection was been there. And I'm still kind of raw on it because my I just finished my hearing on May 2nd and May 3rd. It was a two day hearing mm. trying to get mine. So this is really fresh for me right now. But when I saw it, when I saw, you know, what she was trying to do, the way she was trying to manipulate the situation, saying what basically you could see what was going on, but she's saying that it was something else. And they take that same attitude to the courtrooms and then the courtrooms just let them have at it. And here's the real kicker. They, in my case, they would not allow hearsay on my side, but would allow hearsay on her side. It is a very common thing. Now, Troy, have you had any experience with that? Uh, yeah, yes. Um, the hearsay thing, yes, I don't. It triggers some memories of exactly that thing. And I, have, I haven't thought about those recently, so I'm, I'm not going to talk about those exactly. But the idea that the court, yes, I've seen in general, the idea that somebody can present evidence, but you can't. So, mm. for example, in my case, there was the GAL, the guardian ad litem, appointed as an attorney for the child. This attorney sat on there's two tables at the courtroom. The attorney sat with Sarah's lawyer. And for example, the first time she watched that video, because she refused to receive evidence from me, I said, uh, she called me up on the phone one day, the only time she's ever called me. I said, oh, would you like to see evidence? And there was a longer conversation, but I said, oh, would you like to see evidence? She said, no. And then she came into court and said, I haven't received evidence from the other side, from Troy, as if she hadn't denied, she, as, as if she hadn't refused the evidence, my offer to give her evidence. And then she's, and, and anyway, she, she was watching the video of the attack for the first time, I think, in the court. And Sarah's lawyer, every five seconds, was whispering in her ear. And I said to the court, um, Your Honor, can she watch the video and make up her own mind instead of being guided on what the video is by Sarah's attorney? And the judge said, Shut up. And, and, we, and we kept watching the video. Uh, but, but, but the but, judge said, Shut up? No, 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 no. I oh. mean, he, he said, he didn't say the words, Shut up. He said, just watch the, just play the video or something like that. Mm, he, like, okay. he, he didn't respond at all. He didn't, you know, which is a, uh, anyway. So, so later on, she gives her quote unquote report to the judge. And, um, she talks about these FaceTime videos with me and my daughter, the one, the couple that she received from Sarah. I start talking about them on the witness stand later. The judge says, uh, no, 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 we're not getting into that. Um, so basically I was, so allegations were allowed to be brought against me, which to which I was prevented from responding. And mm -hmm. here's how the judge did it in my case. The judge said there was there's two issues in in her DV litigation. First, did I abuse her? There, we're going to have a trial about that or whatever. And then what should happen with custody? And we're going to have a hearings about that. And we were always from the beginning for months promised, oh, yeah, we're going to do custody hearings right after the DV. We're going to do custody hearings right after the DV. And so the judge said, no, 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 we're not going to. So when I tried to respond to the guardian ad litem's accusations about these FaceTime videos, the judge said, no, 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 we'll get into that later after the custody. By the time the custody happened, by the time the, the domestic violence trial was over, it concluded, the judge issued the ruling, I win. He said, 
there just wasn't any custody hearing and there hasn't been any custody evidence. Uh, there, there's no hearing at which we could present evidence for custody. And there's not been any. And, and even though the whole basis for me not being allowed to talk about custody was that we were going to do it after the domestic violence trial. So, so yeah, that's an instance where people were allowed to present evidence against me. And I wasn't allowed to pre- present evidence against them. Um, yeah, go ahead. So, um, let me get Malika in on, in on this. Um, and Malika can correct me if I'm wrong. I think he, he might have been a, a former police officer. Go ahead and tell me something, brother. What are your, what are your responses to this? Um, reminds me of um, a lot of cases. Um, you're right. I was a police officer for 11 and a half years. Mm-hmm. And there were two sides that I would see there would be actual cases, domestic violence cases, but there also be cases with male officers who would be in relationships with their wives or girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And the women that the male officers would deal with, and especially black officers, their women would know that if there was any allegations, whether if it's true or not, their jobs would be on the line because police officers are held to a higher standard. And especially domestic violence is a very, 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 very sticky thing. Mm. And I've seen a lot of friends and a lot of men almost lose their jobs and also almost lose their families just with the simple situation of an argument because like how you said dr t you know your word is nothing because a woman just has to say with the idea of some form of violence and if you're a police officer because you have a weapon and because you are a police officer anything can happen and a lot of men will be under investigation and police officers under investigation for domestic violence you could do a desk job, you'll be losing money because a lot of time, a lot of our money comes from court. And mm-hmm. also they will take your gun away. You can also have um, restraining orders put against you. Also, there were officers who have restraining orders and they can get kicked out of their own homes and they were given divorce papers. Mm-hmm. And also at the same time, they were going through divorces, going through investigation, you're losing money. And like how the brother said, he had to put hundreds and possibly thousands of dollars out to deal with a lot of court cases. So you're dealing with a court case, well as you're dealing with an investigation, well as you're dealing with a divorce, and a lot of men stressed, a lot of few men, how we would call, deleted themselves. Mm-hmm. A lot of these men chucked up and said, fine, I won't see my kids, a lot of men. Went through an investigation, but then you still have that dark cloud. Now, there were situations that I come upon where you have to remain biased. And like how um, Brother Troy, back when I was, we did not have video cameras like how the way it is now. And what we have to rely on is being biased, and we have to get both sides of the situation. And what one thing that we did that they taught us in the academy and sometimes you got to be very very careful what type of officer you're dealing with especially if you have female black officers 
because they will automatically go to the emotion and they automatically will take the female side. And I'm not saying that as a man, but I've been in situations and circumstances like that. Okay. But there are a lot of situations where you've seen, I've come upon times where I could see Troy and his woman going at it and there's a child. The first thing that you deal with is trying to take care of the child. The child is the first thing because you don't want the child to be traumatized. No matter what's going on between the parent, the child is the most important thing. You check and see if both parties are hurt. Now, the thing is, here's how the way you play the trick. If both parties are talking, someone did this, someone did that, you lock them both up. Mm. Now, when you lock them both up, that's when you see who starts to sweat. When the woman starts saying, oh, da, 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 no. We'll figure it out. And then we'll say, okay, can we call somebody to take the child? Now, if the mom can't take the child or relative take the child, automatically we'll take the child to DHS. Now, if both parents are freaking out, why are you going to take my child to DHS? Da, 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 da. Now, that's when you call a supervisor. And these are just rules that you have to go by. When the woman's talking all this and all the times, and I said this before on your show, Dr. T. Son Johnson. 80 to 90% of the time in black neighborhoods and in black relationships, the black woman is the aggressor. We know this. No matter whatever the situation or circumstances, I'm not saying that we men don't be aggressive, but nowadays and this time because our women do not get any repercussions for the behavior. And even times when we as black officers or any officer that comes around, we try to quell it out when the woman acts up and she gets mad and she does everything. And then when we have become become aggressive, that's when we start seeing a change. What I see is a skewed law, especially when it comes to DV, according to men. Because it is not in our favor. Not unless if it's something very, very serious. If a man is either hurt, maimed, or there's some actual, actual viable footage. Like Troy, he had evidence, but if Troy was hurt, if Troy was maimed, if Troy and his daughter was visibly hurt and maimed, and then he had to call 911, and then you could lock her up. And now that's more evidence. But just the simple saying of a man raising his voice, if Troy was raising his voice, and Troy was keeping his voice at an audible level, and he was holding his daughter's mother back because he was trying to leave. And you could see that she was physically barricading the door. And he said, okay, he was trying to get out the window and she was trying to stop him. Mm. That's proof. Now, it wasn't showing that she was being crazy or anything, but like he said, when he put the camera on, behavior changes. Now the behavior changes. Right. See, here's the funny thing. I ask you, how crazy are they? How much of a mental problem you have you see you ain't that crazy when you know when the camera's on you know how to act right mm-hmm. that's a good point you ain't that crazy you ain't that crazy when you know okay troy's walking down the street 
but she ain't trying to beat you up and trying to take the child out of your hands and she's walking and keeping step with you. See, this is the thing that we, this is the thing that, that that's going on. And the problem is, is that we, and this is another thing too, man. We're the, man, it, it's just terrible because when they say we black men don't care about our children, we don't care about our families, you know, this brother is getting stressed. A lot of black men are are hurting because they want to be in their child's lives. But then we're dealing with a court system or just a system period that's totally in favor of a woman, but when you say a woman that's unstable, and as we speak, she's raising a child and filling a child's head with a lot of problems. And we don't even know at this time what this woman is doing to this child. And this is this is something that I mean we see and it and it gets the problem because well I want to get I want to get uh, Troy a chance to to respond and then bring in Kofa but I want you to finish your point. It was for me just seeing both sides of that mm-hmm. and seeing men losing their their jobs, losing their livelihood, losing their children because of even if two people might have been having a domestic incident and people when people think domestic it's not always violence okay domestic is could be an argument you're having mm-hmm. also domestic violence also entitles texting emails mm-hmm. right but i mean it's just the point where you start seeing men losing their livelihood, losing their children, and right. people just don't care. Right, right. Um, any response to that, Troy? Anything that comes to mind from you? Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of good information from the inside of the of the police department. Um, I'll start with this one thing. Uh, I got a couple of things to say, if, 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 if that's okay. Um, I just want to tell people what happened in the video, because you can't see everything. Like, for example, he, he, knew, he saw that, that she was on my back, then got off, then was barricading the door. Then he said, oh, Troy tried to get to the window and she just tried, she tried to prevent that. She didn't try to prevent that. I was going out the window. She grabs my backpack, spins me around. I, I'm holding my child still. I am thrown into a dresser. I fall to the floor. She starts kicking me. Mm. You can't see any of this because the camera at this, I, I, you, you see her initially grab my backpack. I turn the camera around. I say, get off of me. Don't touch me. Don't touch my backpack. I go back out to go out the window. It's like the ground floor window. And, she, and that's when it happens. Then I'm, uh, I'm getting up as she's hitting me, I'm retreating to the bathroom and she reaches down. You could see her bend down, but you gotta like slow the video down or pause it or whatever. You can see her bend down. She tries to grab my testicles. I, I look down and I see her clenching fist right under my testicles, right? And that's when I say, um, I don't even touch her neck actually. It looks like I'm touching her neck. I, I, I was actually, if you look at the video slowly, I, I start going backwards because I figure because I'm trying not to touch her, but I do want to put my neck and my hand like near her neck so that the cup of my hands prevents her from going this way or getting around and getting around so that if she tries to come towards me, she's going to be stopped because she was just grabbing my testicles. And I don't know what happens next after she grabs my testicles and I fall to the floor and maybe she gets a knife and kills me. Okay. I don't know what happens. And, and because by the way, this whole video, nothing preceded this except for her harassing me for about an hour or something, but I wasn't doing anything. And then she leaves the room 
at, after she, my, my daughter's like weirded out because I had just, I had been keeping my daughter away from this, but I came in, she, she, my ex left me alone at some point. So I went to take, take her, my daughter, give her some food. And then my ex comes in, starts doing weird things with my daughter. My daughter's kind of being weirded out. She's trying to stay cool. But at, at some point my ex leaves the room and I say, okay, let's go get ready for the park. So it was just a crazy escalation. And I just want to tell you what actually happened in the video. And then, yeah, and that's a, it's a great point about how crazy are they? They're not that crazy. Okay, they're crazy. So, yes, as soon as I'm going out of the house, she's hitting me. As soon as I walk out the door, it stops. Uh -huh. And then she doesn't keep pace with me, if you notice. She does that for just a little bit. She gets in front of me so that it doesn't look like she's following me. Right. So she knows she knows this entire time what's going on. And and I thought throughout much of the relationship. So throughout much of the relationship, I thought no normal person would do this. So clearly she has a psychological issue. And we went and she went into borderline personality therapy, borderline personality disorder, complex trauma therapy. Um, I eventually got her to do these things. And she said, oh, my God, that's the best therapy I ever had. Thank you so much. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, I am kind of. Yes. She went she went into therapy to treat persecutory delusions at some point. She said eventually, yeah, I, I you've been saying this the whole time. I, thank you for getting me into this therapy. And there's emails and texts about all this and stuff. But but um, I thought the whole time my kind of reasoning was like, OK, so clearly she has a mental disorder. And my idea of mental disorder was oh, a person doesn't have control of their behavior. And so she's subconsciously doing this. I mean, their, her behavior was not subconscious. So, so it, there was always some kind of, but right. that was my theory, but that was my theory. But what I realized is the mental disorder is actually the rewiring of the brain so that people choose yes. violence and aggression uh -huh. and lies. And, right. and, and they think it's a, it's, it's useful and good. So, so it's not that they don't have control over their behavior. It's that those things helped protect them as children. Mm -hmm. And those things are what they now choose habitually and without remorse. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and so, and, and there's a lot of other things he said, but, uh, but I'll, I'll leave with that. At that well, this what, what, what I want to do is I want to bring Kofa in and then I want to open it up uh, to a free flow uh, where, where y'all can engage Troy directly. But mm -hmm. just let me say, first of all, support growth talk with Kofa, support the channel. He's doing some excellent work over there. Shout out to the brother. Uh, a few months ago, he did an incredible video series about his own experience. And I won't ask him to go through that again. Um, I will ask him to, to let people know, you know, how to find those videos because they're critical. But uh, uh, and, 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 and thanks to everybody uh, that came in. You know, this just happened impromptu. And the three brothers were willing to come up and share their stories. I appreciate that. But uh, Kofa, weigh in on this, brother. Uh, what are your thoughts? Peace, everybody. Can you hear me good? Yeah, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, first of all, Troy, I'm glad you're still here, brother, because it could have went left. It could have went totally different. Um, thank you for sharing your story because you don't have to. None of us do because we know what the stereo stereotype is that black men don't talk, we don't speak. We And then when we do, we often get shunned. So if we're not building with each other, first and foremost, then I don't know who we're going to lean on. So thank you for sharing your story, Malika. Thank you for giving your expertise from your point of view as well. So the two videos that Doc is referring to, um, I did two videos called How I Almost Tory Lanes and Javante Davis Myself. Because it was like after 
Tory Lanez was sentenced, then Javante Davis got into the issue with his his baby mama um, and got arrested. So it made me revert back to a situation I had with my ex when I was uh, 26 and similar to Troy, but of course didn't have a cell phone at the time. But we argued for a couple of hours. I tried to walk away. Same thing with Troy. Now she's blocking the door to the bedroom. One bedroom house, I mean, one bedroom apartment one way in one way out we're on the second floor so where am i going to go so she's blocking so i'm trying to leave and then she pushes me runs past blocks the blocks the door like this you know so i can't can't get past so it goes on and on and on actually and then she you know she hits me a couple of times i lose it i got to the point never put my hands on a woman before that never did it after but in that moment at 26 years old a high head you're putting hands on me and something that I'm paying for and making sure you don't have to do anything. I snapped and I choked her. I almost killed her. She stopped breathing again, had a whole out of body experience. I wish I was making it up. I saw me standing in the corner telling me to let her go while I was choking her. Like I had a whole out of body experience. I can't describe it other than that. So I did, um, and this goes to the point of the mental health and things like that. She coughs, she coughs, comes to right back in the fight. Like, like, like I never just had to choke her out. And mind you, the whole time I'm trying to call the police, this is back in 08. I had a little Nokia flip phone, tried to call the police initially when we had the argument. She snatches the phone, rips it in half. Luckily, I was working on bank trucks at the time, so I had my work, uh, the old chirp, uh, cell phones. Luckily, I had that, so I was able to get in contact with the police. But I literally had to run out of my apartment, get chased around a car like a kid, like we're playing tag, to the point where I finally was able to get away. Ran back upstairs, had already got contacted the police, locked the door. She kicks my door, and all these, all the pictures and stuff from that night, with you know the scratches in my face the 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 kicking the deadbolt in on the door i have those on the videos there's two videos i did one um i think it's like maybe 45 minutes the other one is like 20 minutes where i put a cap on it i might have the time frames reversed but yes go look at my page for those two videos how I almost tory lanes and javante davis myself i'm very transparent um i said i should have walked away initially but nobody sees just a a lover's quarrel turning into that but I'm big on 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 my channel on Grow Talk with Kofa. I'm big on telling brothers to leave. Mm -hmm. I've tried to love a woman, the same woman I tried to love through mental health issues. Um, she was sexually assaulted as a child. Um, so many different things. So I took sympathy, empathy with her that okay, I know why she's acting like this. I can be a little bit more patient. I love this woman. And people will say you're a simp, you're a beta, you're things like that. People forget that men were fixers. So if I already like you on top of me being a fixer, almost a people pleaser, I'm going to stay in the, the fight, loose, uh, term used loosely. I'm going to stay in the fight of the relationship a little bit um, a little bit longer. Shout out to Quiet Storm. Appreciate you, brother. Um, I'm going to stay a little bit longer than I should have. And this is why I want men to step out of that alpha beating your chest I tell brothers all the time, shut the F up, man. Listen to what she's telling you. So when they're joking about, you know, I'm crazy. Believe her. Yeah. 
Don't yeah. take it as a joke. It make it makes for great comedy in the black community, but don't take it as a joke. Um, leave, because if you if you can take care of her and her kids in those situations, especially if that's not your you know your ex wife, your baby mama, whatever. If you could take care of her and some kids, you could take care of yourself as a man. Yeah. You had to get out your feelings, let it go, and walk away because it could turn left. Um, I just heard a very this is why I hopped on so quick, Doc. I appreciate the invite. I know it was impromptu. I literally just had a family member that had a hit put out on him by his baby mama. Wow. L- literally. Wow. Tried to, tried to do uh I I when I was explaining it to the other family member that was telling me, like, you know what that is? I took your term, Doc. The bulldogging. Uh, she, tried, she tried to sick the new guy on on him. The pit bulling, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah pit, pit bulling, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I used that term. I was like, this is exactly what Dr. T is always talking about. We've all seen it, but when you put it in those terms, it makes yeah. sense. Like, she's literally trying to sick. Now, by one, the grace but, of one one year before the video that you you've seen of my own interaction with her, one year before that, she threatened to have her family members kill me. Yeah, and that's that's this. I, I liken it to going back to uh, poetic justice when Tupac and Janet are going back and forth, and he pulls over and puts off the mail truck. If anybody remembers, and she's like, "Oh, I can't wait till you get back to L.A. I'm gonna get them to f you up. I'm gonna get." Yeah. Th- she already know. I know it's a movie, but we see it all the time. You just gave an example. I'm giving my personal example of a family member. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's nothing to play with because it happens because then that turns into she's filling this guy with lies. But again, that's what I was about to say. By the grace of God, the guy had enough common sense to be like, oh, shit, this bitch crazy for real. So he gets <laughs> he gets his number, the ex's number and calls him and gives him the head up like, bro. Don't bring the baby up here because they were exchanging the kid. He was like, don't bring, you know, the kid up here anymore because she's trying to get me to kill you. Wow. So man to man, like they had a conversation, you know, came to an understanding. And that was that because they were doing the, the exchange there in different states and things like that. We've all, you know, done it at some, not all, but. You know, we've seen it done at some point where you drop the baby off, she come pick him up. But this time, when he was supposed to drop her off, can I say something to you, Copa? I mean, to cut you off. You know what? Yeah. You, you know what your relative needs to do. He needs to make a police report for that. Yeah, and we're, he we're needs to make a paper trail of that we're doing it, and that's what we're, that's what I had to convince uh, some of the other family members to to do. They they kind of hopped on it. They were holding on to it. My mom spoke to him, and then I spoke to him, like. You have to create a paper trail. You have to, brothers. Don't take it as a joke. Take it, take it very serious. Cause this this goes to Kevin point. RP to him. It's been one year and they're still dancing on his grave. But this is why he used to ask those women. He used to kind of come on there and be like, Oh, my ex-husband did this. Now she knows her face is on the screen. She knows it's gonna go viral. So anybody in their family sucker circle, friend circle, knows that who she's talking about is her ex-husband. Now these women get on camera talking about, oh, he used to abuse me, this, that, and the third. And Kevin, like he did, kept his cool. So did you file a police report? Mm-hmm. First thing you got to go to is men. It may sound like some sucker type of stuff. File the police report, bro. I've had too many men be like, man, I can't call the police on that girl. And then he want to get mad months later when she done bust the windows out of his car, slashed his tires, and now he got to shell out money 
and it's been going on for six to nine months because then you look like what we accuse the women of like you like abuse right. like you're just going to deal with it can i yeah. add one thing yeah. um before before filing the police report documenting everything that's good get the thing in writing because at some point in the future the guy's gonna go back maybe and say no i never called him and said that exactly. text the guy text the guy like thanks again for telling me about you know that threat right. that she made on my life and he'll be and you know so so that he can respond like oh yeah no problem okay then you got the screenshot of the text for later that where it's in record that that he admits he did say that right. yeah and so the good thing is while he was on the phone put him on speaker and another family member got um another cell phone in the house and recorded them as they spoke mm-hmm. on the phone so you gotta look, you gotta, but you gotta look into the laws the criminal laws about eavesdropping and uh and recording conversations because that could be used against you potentially so yeah. that's that's one thing why get, get that text message or some some way of doing that uh, i'd say the text is probably the easiest way to do it if it yeah. if it's possible at all yeah I was gonna and, see, and that's and that's good i am going to share that with them i'll give them a call tomorrow it's it's 12 a.m out here i'm, I'm on the east coast i'm in atlanta but oh. i'll call i'll call them tomorrow but now they can't get back in touch with the guy he's missing oh nobody nobody's heard from him because no. she she tried to set him up too with a um she had filed a restraining order on him he didn't know it but she filed a restraining order earlier in the week invited him back over so trying to rekindle and all that stuff oh. and then when he's getting ready to leave she says oh just remember i love you and from what was exchanged to me was he felt a little bit weird. So he kind of just stood on the curb and just watched her as she drive, drove off. Well, she basically drove around the corner, spun the block, literally came back to the apartment complex. It was three cop cars behind her. Hmm. I want to say something about police reports. Yeah, I want to I want to let Deadset uh, go in. And then I want to get Ian's uh, contribution before he drops out. I think I don't know if he's having a connection issue. Um, but just real quick, I do want to say also in relation to the story Kofa told, one of the problems I think men have when it comes to conflict, especially physical conflict with women, is we operate by a different code. Yeah. Men understand that there is, and Kevin used to talk about this all the time. Shout out to Kevin, you know, um, the anniversary of his passing. I'm acknowledge that piece to him. But uh, you know, we understand there is a point where things can go left. We we get that. It's a given with women. It's a very different dynamic. We're not used to, we're not socialized to engage like that. Even when women get physical, you know, it, we, we're programmed to deal with other men in a certain way. So these brothers are giving you all some really good information about how to in, how to deal with this, because this is not something that most of us have been socialized to deal with properly, especially uh, on legal grounds. But let me get dead set to make a quick comment. Then I want to get Ian in and then I can open it up to free flow and you guys can engage Troy more directly. Okay. Yeah, because I wanted to piggyback on Troy's comment about getting something other than that police report, because one thing about police reports is police reports are also hearsay. Unless that officer is there to sponsor that evidence and it's hearsay and it can be thrown out. Mm. So so we talk about getting police reports. I'm letting you all know a police report is not enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Ian, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, brother. Uh, appreciate you coming through, man. Give weigh in on this real quick. What's your thoughts about it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate this. Uh, you know, you guys sharing information because you know it's uh, 
it's long it's a long time coming for men to actually sit down and have these discussions you know and and feel feel open and and feel uh safe um to share you know that they've been in situations of of abuse where you know we we are not um feeling like our manhood somehow we're, we're less than a man you know for having going through these experiences or even um feeling like these are these are situations that we have to resolve because a lot of men think okay now that it's over you know i can just forget about it but you know that you know we're, we're more than just okay uh, physically something may have happened to us and we just brush it off but we we have a uh we have a we have a uh, a reputation you know to uphold you know what i'm saying with with our with you know our self-esteem you know how our kids think about us how other people think about us and even how our kids you know we want to make sure our legacy is intact and that's and and this is part of part of that you know i know i've been through my um my own um struggles with domestic violence with with my ex-wife you know i never you know i never thought about calling the police you know it never crossed my mind actually <laughs> actually you know what i'm saying funny funny enough you know i never thought you know that many times she the a couple times she you know she uh physically struck me you know over some simple argument you know i never thought you know that you know that was the thing to do um you know a couple several times i forgave her and um you know after you know after after maybe the the fourth incident you know I, I gave her a black eye but that was <laughs> that, that was just you know allegedly, my, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> you know i mean my my self-esteem as a as a human being you know just 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 came in in into play you know what i'm saying i just something was like okay i can't i can't i can't take this you know i mean i mean i think it it kind of ran in her family i guess i think because uh, there was another situation where her her her, her sister came to visit, um, and um, that we had a kind of a slight argument or whatever. You know, which which you know, it was just. It's, I'm not saying that we argued all the time. It's, that's usual. I mean, and um, uh, the sister was like, hit him in the face, hit him in the, <laughs> hit him, hit him in the face. You know, type of thing. But um, God Almighty, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been there. You know, and I'm glad to hear that these brothers are, are stepping up and um, they they are kind of uh, reclaiming their, their sense of self through the courts and, and through the uh, uh, the court of, of, of public opinion. So uh, kudos to all of you guys. Can I jump in real quick, Doc? Go ahead. It was something that Ian just said about um, how he forgave her. So brothers, y'all need to understand, man, forgiveness does not equate to acceptance. You can, mm-hmm. you can forgive and leave mm-hmm. and let it go. It was a brother um, I was listening and to. Stay gone. Yeah, and stay gone and don't go back. Because again, I got hell, I got to do part three. Because it's the same woman that I end up getting back with 10 years later, thinking that we were all good. She had matured. She came through stuff and she had two kids and that didn't go well either. Yeah. So, but I was listening to a brother I know we can get in these spaces that we often don't talk about, about dating women with kids when you and the kids hit it off. Um, especially if you don't got kids of your own, you start to see a family structure and things like that. I know I did. I know I'm not the only one, so I'm not ashamed to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. But as one brother I heard on YouTube say a couple couple weeks ago, he said, guess what? When they came as a package deal, when that breakup happened, 
they had to leave as a package deal. Mm -hmm. Don't let these women tether you to these children and you're the one taking care of them. And now she's on boyfriend number three after you. And you're still the only father that that child knows because then it becomes a financial obligation a lot of times. But I know I'm kind of veering off, but there's there's layers to it. You can be put on child support too. Yes, you can. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a there's a couple of cases here. They unequivocally know that that's not that man's child. She was six, seven years old, but because he was the only uh, father that that child knew, he's the one paying child support. Well, I want to get I want to get first of all, Troy, man. We just saw your daughter a second ago. Gorgeous, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Beautiful little girl. Um, I wanted to get you to talk about something you briefly you briefly touched on. Then I want to get you know the fellows to kind of you know, weigh in on it. You talked about a second a second fraudulent abuse litigation from earlier this year, and it sounded to me like you said that your ex actually testified on your behalf, but I may have misunderstood you. Did you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So you're combining two separate incidents in okay. one um, six months before the video you saw. There was an she abducted my child. Um, we were out in public, just you know, doing whatever. And um, she, uh, she, there was this public dance thing, and I, we were going to dance together. But I had a business call, and I took my daughter, uh, who was sleeping, to just chill with me while I did the call. She, so my my ex was dancing. I came back, and she's dancing with some other guys. And um, I don't really care about that. But uh, a, a, normally, I wouldn't care at all about that. But she had just been abusing me for the last three weeks or whatever and just being a total you know whatever so so then i was like she comes over to me and i'm just like looking at her and she comes over to me like and she just starts lying and stuff you know oh blah 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 blah, whatever i'm like okay whatever um and we're ready to go so i start walking home and uh she's walking with me and she takes the child because the child's been with me the whole time just like hey mom whatever so she takes the child and uh and and then she's walking with me and then at some point i turn back and she's not there okay so five hours later or something, I don't know how many hours later, uh, I get, you know, I get home, I walk home, it's like not that far away. And five hours later, she calls me, she's like, "Uh, I'm scared. I'm like, what are you scared about? What are you talking about? I'm scared that you're going to kill me or something. People kill, kill people about infidelity. I'm like, I'm not even mad at you. Just come upstairs. What are you doing? And she doesn't. So I go down to get her. She hides in some bathroom and where she was in Chipotle or something. And she calls the police. The police come up. Uh, it's like real late at this point. Uh, my the police come up with my daughter and my daughter runs into my arms. Hey daddy, whatever. And so I'm sitting on the bed and the police are there and, uh, and they're like, okay, well, Sarah's going to leave with the child. I'm like, uh, no, um, no, the child's staying in her house. They're like, you know, well, no, that's not going to happen. I'm like, okay, well, if you want to arrest me, whatever, but I'm not going to give my daughter to Sarah to take her to an undisclosed location in the middle of the night when she seems to be psychologically unstable. And she just, last time we moved, which was just a couple weeks ago, she left my kid playing with adult scissors just while she was on the phone or something. And I walked in. So no, that's not happening. If you want to arrest me, that's fine. Instead of arresting me, they just harassed me for a while. Then they tackled me. Then they take me to jail. Then from my jail cell, I hear their superior saying, yeah, I just make up that he's wrestled the kid out of the lady's arms. And uh, so anyway, this trial happens. The, the body cam footage comes out. The prosecutors, uh, actually, the, the, the trial didn't happen. Sorry, I was just arraigned or whatever. And But the prosecutors watched the videotape uh, months later and, and said, uh, you know, what came to court and said, we can't prove our trial. Never mind. Get this out of here. Um, and so 
because the video showed that I didn't do anything. I was charged with child endangerment. Uh, the police officers, when they, I was sitting on the floor with my kid, they tackled me and scratched the kid's head and threw me into the floor. And the litigation abuse was gonna start then, but she she called me the next day and and you know was apologizing and stuff like that. When oh. she when when she knew that I was like gonna forgive her, because at this point I was like, wow, this this was the craziest thing yet. Um, she must have real big mental problems. And still, my my thought was mental problems means that she's not choosing this. So so okay, I just got to get her help or something. So I forgive. So I forgave her, and and um, so then she told prosecutors, you know what, I'm gonna testify on his behalf, and. Uh, she admits that she chose not to testify. Uh, she admitted that in the in the proceedings a year or two later, and so that's that incident. the The newest incident is, you know, after the after the basically she or the GAL whatever filed the motion in court at the end of 2022, saying don't let him file a domestic violence case outside of Ventura County, and the judge denied it. Then I was like, okay, so she knows it's coming, so I might as well. I know I know her by now, so she's not. This is not going to go anywhere. But you know, maybe there's a one percent chance that she'll stop. So I so I so I text her or whatever, saying like, "Hey, you know, uh, you're uh, you st you're still refusing to send me pictures of the kid. You're still you know you're refusing to tell me where the kid goes to school. You're still um, you know I'm going to file a domestic violence case against you. You can stop the abuse now." Uh, or we can go forward and I can show that you perjured yourself and maybe you get prosecuted and sent to jail. And maybe I got to explain to our kid why you're in jail. You want to just stop? You want to just stop? And so she files a domestic violence case against me saying, uh, let me, uh, she's saying basically I threatened her life in those messages and, uh, and uh, that my psychotic violence and aggression is escalating and she doesn't know what's going to happen next. And the judge said, the checkboxes that's not abuse. Uh, she presented the message and the judge said, that's not abuse. And so she got her temporary order denied. She didn't show up for the hearing to try to get a full order. This, I want to comment on that just yeah, a little bit. Please go ahead. Because I went through pretty much the same thing all itself. I think y'all already know my case. I don't know if you know Troy, but my ex-wife claimed that I was sexually abusing my daughter. And of course, it got um, investigated, thrown out, ruled out by a judge. But during my divorce hearing, the judge who issued the divorce stated that with the evidence in front of him, this wasn't contrived. I believe you did it. And then I lost my children. Right. Yep, that's what happened. And so December of last year, I went through a child custody evaluation. And... I've already mentioned that I had um, my hearings on May 2nd and May 3rd. And I'm a pro se litigant, so I'm cross-examining this guy. Can you believe that the child custody litig uh, evaluation was so biased that the judge had to beat him over the head verbally for the amount of bias that was in that custody evaluation? Hmm. And this is the first time I'd ever seen a judge do it. But it, but this judge here, she was also a pediatrician who spent 10 years training at Johns Hopkins out here. Uh -huh. But she gave that man a verbal beating that I've never seen before. And I was like, she's I mean, because she saw things in it that I didn't see, even though I read the evaluation. But it goes to show like this is a systemic problem at every point 
in the um in the procedures from that judge to cps to dhs to the custody evaluators the whole nine yards it's just stacked against you uh-huh. and it has just turned out that this man's he was an indian man too this man's bias was so egregious egregiously biased that the judge just couldn't sit there and not say anything um i i i have a case that i told you i'm working with this one woman to try to get her facts together i was reading her um uh transcript from her hearing and the gal the child attorney and the male uh the male partner's attorney are both like accusing this lady of things and she's pro se and she doesn't quite know what she's doing and she's have, having a hard time responding or whatever, but, but hold on one second. Um, and, and anyway, so the accusations against this lady who claims she's being abused and might be being abused. I, I have, I haven't gone through all the evidence yet, but the accusations against her were two, 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 at least two that were contradictory. Oh, we're taking your kids away from you because we don't believe that you'll take them to the doctor because you wrote some letter, which was never presented, it seemed like, um, to the school saying something about, I don't know, whatever, and, and you're a Buddhist and some, so you won't take them to the doctor. <laughs> and then, and then another allegations, oh, you took them to the doctor one time, you took them to the hospital when you should have been giving them to the father because it was his time and you took them to the hospital and, and on, and, and around, so two totally contradictory allegations. And I read a police report from that incident where the father called the police on the mother and said, and the police officer's writing and the police officer said, father told me that the mother didn't tell me, didn't tell him where she took the kids. Mother showed me the text messages where she did tell father and he's responding or whatever. So anyway, um, that's that's a situation where the child attorney is, you know, and together with the, you know, possibly abusive parents attorney is, is, uh, you know, colluding to make even contradictory allegations. It just didn't make any sense. And, and it, it was just innu- innuendo and bullshit and disproven stuff. And uh, yeah, it happens all the time. I'm only surprised that the judge called her out. That mm-hmm. the, uh, I'm not surprised that it, the GAL was biased. I'm surprised that the judge said something and didn't collude with the GAL, you know, but anyway. May I, may I make a, Go ahead, Malika. a statement? Um, to kind of piggyback off of Kofa and also something with Troy with the incident, like he said, when he had went out with his, uh, his daughter's mother and a daughter and they were going out on a dancing situation. Certain things like brother Kofa said, red flags. This is something that we men and definitely young men, we got to do. I know she might be attractive. I know the sex might be good. And also a lot of times black men, you know, um, Dennis Sperling said this and also Kevin said this an angry man has said this. We got that beta male blue chip in our heads. And we got to kind of, man, we got to, we got to take it out. When you start noticing red flags of certain behaviors of them, you know, that, acting simple doing stuff like that like when you know troy all right and i'm not saying this point is at troy like all right she danced with other dudes and you know automatically but she knew it was wrong and she takes the child and then she calls and you notice i'm like okay there's a problem 
and now you know you go pick the child up she calls the cops and then like you know like what brother kofa said the the chick says to the other dude hey i just want to let you know i love you and she does a 360 around the block and three cop cars are coming these are a lot of times men, men we're not we see the red flags but we don't pay attention to them and this is how we get caught up in these situations now we've all been through situations with red flags and, and you know sometimes we could just be in the car we could just be around them and something stupid jumps off we just happen to be there this is this is stuff that we 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 have to be privy and just like brother kofa said get out of there and leave mm-hmm. leave leave i know you might have children or something and here's the funny thing and i agree with you brother kofa if them kids ain't yours leave you might feel for them but leave this is the problem that we have we (sighs) the problem i have with that argument is that sometimes there are no red flags and sometimes you know they just yeah and, and in fact more often than not in my experience there were no red flags i mean in by the time I was already committed, I'm already have children and my children are at that point. What my youngest was two years old. That's when all this came raining down. So I was seven years into this. No red flags whatsoever. And that's and, the sick thing, though, you know, dead set. You don't know what you don't. It's like kind of like um, a Manchurian candidate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know when you don't know when the. Uh, you know, order 66 is going to happen. Mm. You know, can I, can I say something about this? Uh, Cause I want to say two things, one about my situation, but also just in general. So in my particular situation, it triggered the day she got pregnant. Uh, so it, right. There was Most nothing. Better. Okay. I'll say this, but I'm going to take it back in a second. There was nothing before that, that I would have been like, Oh, that was bad. Or there was nothing. It was just fine. It was perfect. Uh-huh. Um, and so, so before the kid came into being, no red flags. Now, as soon as the kid came into being, red flag after red flag. But at that point, I stayed for a while to protect the formative years of the child who kept getting abducted whenever I would leave. But I, I would sometimes leave, but then the kid would get abducted. So then I learned, oh, okay, I can't leave unless I want the kid abducted. And then when the kids gets abducted, the mom's calling me, I want you back, whatever. I can't even hardly feed the kid. I'm so sad, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right. So there's, there's some relationships, especially with kids involved where you can leave, but that will also have consequences, especially for your kid. Mm -hmm. And those might be worse than staying at least for a bit, at least for their early years or so, you know, there. So it's more, it's a little more complicated at the same time. I said there was no red flags in my situation. I'm sure if I was smarter, I could have looked for them harder mm-hmm. and I would have found something because normal people, healthy people don't do these behaviors. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think. I mean, even if the legal system allows you and enables you to do these behaviors, why would you want to? Why would you want to mess up your kid and your relationship? Why would you want to do this? There's something in their brains, uh, probably a, about a trillion somethings of different neural connections and whatever there is that there in them if they did the stuff but you know but you know there's 
there's there's also programming too. Um, you know, social programming. You know, uh, I mean, you know, right, my ex wife. Right. Um, she she's from. She was from. She's she came to United States. Uh, I guess when she said she said I think she said when she was four, and so she was kind of Amer She was mostly Americanized. You know, I didn't realize she was Jamaican or any anything when I met her. I wasn't really. Um, you know, I, I really didn't really understand the difference between different uh, kind of black people from, you know, the, the diaspora or whatever. Really, yeah. Yeah. So um, there was one day we had a, a I don't even know if it was an argument. I don't I don't know. I, for me, I, I don't even see a lot of these as, as real arguments. But one day we were sitting in a car and uh, I think our son, uh, our daughter was born or whatever. And. You know, this, this, nothing having to do with our kids, nothing even real serious again, you know, like like most cases. She said to me, right, you know, I think just to show her dominance, that it, and it didn't have anything to do with kids or anything, the conversation. She said, I can take the kids and leave and go to another state and the police will be on my side. You know, and, you know, and, and, and you know, we're in our we're in our early 20s. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know, so it's like. You know, I mean, it it doesn't you know it doesn't really register on, on my brain because I'm not really that sophisticated, you know what I'm saying? And 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 I really don't even understand. You know, I, I love this person and I think she loves me. I'm like, you know, I mean, the the, the whole connection to the the system it really didn't it really didn't register until until I got into the madness where I really didn't under, completely understand <laughs> understand how much their brain is wired into the social structure, you know, as But you as, know what, the funny thing is. though, Ian, why would she just bring that up like in just casual conversation? You know what I mean? You know I what know, I mean? I, no, I have no idea. But this is what I'm saying where a person feels that comfortable to say that to you. And I guess probably that was that that was a test to see how the way you would she would take how the way you would take it or how the way things going on. But she's letting you know, see that that's right then and there to me that's a red flag for her letting you know, hey, at any time, mm -hmm. I can do X, Y, and Z, and you can't do anything about it. Mm. That's one of the reasons why. If you if you don't have any familiarity with the court system or you've never been through that, you that wouldn't you wouldn't even know what she was talking about. And that's what he said. Like I didn't even know what does that mean. It's, it's as as if she said Barbagugagalugumaga. You'd be like, oh, look at her, look yeah. at her, you bag. I don't know what that was, but you just, you just keep going, right? Also, you know what? You, 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 you have to understand. You have to, and and there's and there's situations that are more subtle than that. And sometimes she doesn't say anything, and you have to try to probe it. If you're smart, you will when you start the relationship try to probe it. But this is not smart like like just people are smart. You have to have actually study these things, and that's why it's important mm -hmm. to have these conversations so that people can see this video before they get into the relationship, so they know. Okay, I cannot decide to have kids with somebody before I probe. What is your family history? Let me talk to uh -huh. your parents. Let me talk to this. Let me talk to this person. And we used to have, we had social systems, but this was all destroyed during slavery. Um, there were social systems that would that vet people. Yes. You know, parents would talk to parents, all this stuff, right? And, and it's also been destroyed even uh, just in modern society in general. But I think especially for 
uh, black people probably. So yeah, anyway, because you know why? Well, especially for us black men, you gotta understand for the past forty to sixty years, and what's the percentage now, um, Doc? That um, all black females of all social backgrounds is going up to eighty percent now. They're raising single children. Oh, um, last yeah, that too. You don't have to go back as far as slavery. That's right. I mean, people don't. No, I'm have saying for the past. That would help with that. No, right, I'm saying right. for the past 40, 60 years up to right, now. Right. But if you realize this, we're being raised with a feminine and often feminist, womanist mindset that we're not, we, we don't vet women. A lot of times black men, we're just happy to be in a relationship with a woman. Well, we, we learn to defer to them. We learn yeah. to kind of pedestalize them. We learn to, you know, because in many ways, the way we're taught our manhood, our manhood is reflected in how happy she is. Exactly. Process happy wife, happy life. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah. what I was gonna say, but that that goes to the socialization piece. So when she's saying off the wall stuff like that, as Ian, you know, Ian just uh, mentioned, it's off the wall stuff for a woman to say, for a lot of men, especially men in the black community, it's normal. So it's not crazy. Mm-hmm. So to Dead Set's point, it's not a red flag. Exactly. Because she, because she, this is just par for the course. It's like even some of these brothers in the red pill manosphere space, if you want to say, when some some brothers start complaining about women, they're like, "Oh man, you just, I mean, you just got to suck that up, man. It's just women. Mm-hmm. We compartmentalize it because this is normal behavior, even though we know it's not psychologically normal. We mean normal as in a pattern." Mm-hmm. And this is why I always say black men know black women. Black women don't know black men. They exactly. know black boys. So as soon as their son start hitting 15 and his nuts drop and he his testosterone is up, we hear mother after mother after mother after mother saying, I don't know what to do with him. This ain't my son. Well, he's not four years old anymore. He's mm-hmm. becoming a man. And this is why I say that black men know black women. Since we were little boys, we've been learning black women. Uh-huh. I say it all the time. I had to know what was going to piss off my grandmama so I didn't get my ass whooped. I had to know what was going to keep my mother happy so I can go outside and play with my friends. Uh-huh. We have been learning women since we were little boys. They have not been taught and had to learn men. Right. right. So I again, this sporadic behavior we see once we get into the relationships. Well, I seen my grandmama hit my granddaddy with a frying pan. It must be okay. I see mm. my mama cuss my daddy out in public. It, it it must be okay. I'm just throwing, you know, stereotypical stereotypes out there. But we've seen older black women cut a fool on men. And if the men had sense, then it wasn't this stereotype that granddaddy just slapped backhanded in the mouth and that was that. Most of that stuff didn't happen like that. The, again, that was the, the color purpling of America that KS spoke about again. That just wasn't true. Were there pockets of it? Yes. Was it par for the course and normal? No, it was not. But we've seen more black women cut a damn fool and get physically violent than the men because as Doc just said, we operate from a different space. I know I can't get upset like that. When black men get upset and we lose our cool, we die or go to jail. Pick one. That's what I wanted to posit. Because like you, we mentioned abuse when she was a child. And I remember before I married my second wife, she was talking about how she was abused. And then I asked her to go into that. 
come to find out there was no abuse. She was never abused as a child. She was raised with her father. Oh. And I spoke to her All father. Right. I spoke, mm-hmm. Oh, I spoke to her father. I spoke to her mother. There was no abuse, but she was making that up because that's what was trending at the time. That's the norm. That's the norm. Did she claim she, she was physically abused or did she say like emotionally? She claimed that she was sexually abused. Oh, okay. And wow. I was like, yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute, your story is not making any sense. How do you right? know that she, she? How do you know that she wasn't? Truth be told, I don't know that she wasn't. Only thing I heard was her story, and then when I went and spoke to her parents about it, her parents—I mean, mind you—I was nineteen years older than my last wife, mm. so I wasn't a young man doing this. I had been married for fifteen years prior to that. So when I was, so me and her parents, we were close to the same age. And when I went and spoke to them, it was like, well, that never happened. What is she talking about? And then when she tried to mention some dates and it was just like, uh, no. So then finally she came forward and she said, yeah, maybe it didn't happen. I was sitting back like, dude, you, because she, she was 22 years old when we got married and she was fresh out of college. She went to Louisiana Tech. So, you know, girls throwing these stories around and I was like, I already know how it went because I've been on the college campuses before when I was young. And I was like, man, you're making that ish up. But are, you, are you saying are you saying women, women on, in general at one point used to make up stories about being abusive? Yes, dude, I, I, I think I put it in the chat about Dr. Eugene Kanan's study. And this uh, this doctor, he did this study. They. Actually, you can find it in the um, Office of Judicial Reports. I think it's, what is it, the OIP? I forgot what it was called. But I did a video on it, and Dr. Eugene Cannon stated that this is just the, um, this is just the indicated abuse that women lie 41% of the time. This is not even including the unsubstantiated, and he, then they, it was estimated that they lie up to 70% of the time when it comes to essay and other types of abuse. Can you can you put something in the in the chat in the chat or something if you can. Yeah, if you I got can, it, I you can lead you it. to the um to the report. Okay. But um the US Air Force repeated his report and they got close to the same results. This his um his same method was repeated across universities in the United States as well as in India and in India they got the same results. Yeah, I definitely would like to see that study. And matter of fact, sure. you, if you did a video on it, put the video in the uh, chat as well, and uh, so people can support the channel. Sure. Check you so out. this is a global issue. If we we're dealing with this it here in the states, all the way over to India. Yep. Mm. So the stereotypical issue. tropes and traits of men are just knocking women over the head with a club and then dragging them by the hair back to the cave. Well, probably yeah. isn't true. If you get if you get resources, if you're able to claim resources and support uh, public goodwill, if you can get all of that simply on the basis of a word with no evidence being required. um, I don't know. As far as human beings are concerned, I don't know any group that at some point wouldn't abuse something that requires very few checks and balances to initiate. You know what I mean, especially if you're able to, uh, you know, have law enforcement operate on your behalf, if you can weaponize law enforcement against somebody you're angry at, you know, somebody who may have let you down in terms of the relationship expectations you had, or somebody that's decided that, you know, he may not want to be with you anymore. There's so many different factors to it. 
Mm. Right. But as long as you have this capacity to call in these institutions at your behest with no real, you know, critical requirement as to why, you know, what what should get them to operate on your behalf, who's not going to abuse that? Human nature would suggest that somebody will. So that's why Ian's ex-wife felt free to use that leverage in her speech. Yeah, well, I, I don't. So, so let me just talk just for one second uh, about that comment that human nature is that is that way. Now, it could two. I can see two possible theories. People would abuse the ability to get away with false allegations because that's just how people are, and so a lot of them would do it because that's just how some people are. But another theory might also be people who have personality psychological disorders from being traumatized, which many people possibly are, would abuse that. And it's not human nature. It's the human nature of a distorted mind, of a distorted person. Um, so when so when we realize the fact that people would abuse that, okay, who? Who specifically would abuse that? Is it all people? Because even if, you know, I was a woman, why would I start making up false allegations to jail the father of my kid? That doesn't make any sense, especially when he's doing, like I have text messages from my ex. Oh yeah, I'm getting everything I want from you. Let's have more kids, whatever. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any you sense. You know, I was, I was right. about to say the same thing. My ex-wife said to me before she met me, and I mean, genuine, you know, and I understood this, you know, before she met me, she really didn't know what love was, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I was a lot, I mean, I was like a God almost in a lot of ways to her, you know what I'm saying? In, in terms of her, her, her mental health and her emotional stability and, and, and a lot of these things. So, I mean, that's a, that's a good, that's a good point. And, and, and funny thing is, you know, um, at one point after we, um, after we split up, after she got caught embezzling, uh, over $10,000 from, um, uh, she was an office manager for a chiropractor. Um, after she got caught, uh, they caught her embezzling over ten thousand uh, dollars. Her mother paid it off, so she didn't, you know. So the the they didn't press charges because uh, you know they had the money to um, to just pay pay them off or whatever. Uh, but uh, her mother, I guess, at that point had some leverage to make her go get some psychological. You know, at at least if she wasn't gonna get punished, or I guess the parents were like, "Okay, we're gonna pay all this money. At least go see somebody." And she got uh, diagnosed with uh, schizophrenia and couple well, other me, things. But let me add to this though, because I'm also saying this as an educator. One of the things that I've seen on college campuses and to some extent in K through 12 in this last 20 years, most particularly, there's definitely been a shift. There's a culture of most particularly with women. There's a culture of, uh, there's a, a, almost a type of equity with being able to outline in how many ways you've been abused. The language of this has become so common that, that they're actually, um, I don't wanna, I don't wanna use the word props, but they're, they're actually, um, uh, there's a kind of social acknowledgement even that comes with being able to identify yourself as having been victimized. There's even a social acknowledgement among some women where, you know, when you, and I have a student who's going through this now, where transitioning into single parenthood 
is is, is something that's considered a, a plus. Like there are certain experiences that go with this that have become very very much a trend. They become very much a way of describing, especially black womanhood. These are, you know, I don't think this is just the purview of, you know, people that are dealing with various degrees of, of mental disorder or whatnot. I think there's been a culture of celebrating victimization, especially mm-hmm. in regard to weaponizing it against this idea of the patriarchy. This is one of the things we've heard from the 80s and 70s, really, but we've, we've definitely started to hear a lot more of it uh, post-intersectionality, this idea of fighting the patriarchy, right? And and this idea of of being able to identify how you've been damaged by it and the kinds of social uh, kind of pluses, social acknowledgement, social support you get for being able to identify these categories. I've seen this growing with oh, women man. in the last 25 years in educational spaces. They are churning out people that have this kind of mindset, that have this kind of this kind of idea about how to see the world. And I don't think it's 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 too far gone from reality to see people who would use an opportunity to highlight someone as a as an abuser, as a and not even abuser in the specific uh, IPV sense, but even in the more generic sense. Like I have students that will say, I've been abused. And when you ask questions about the abuse, sometimes it even comes down to having a, a disagreeable conversation. Mm-hmm. But they frame this as abuse. I think you might be mixing. I think you might. Sorry, go ahead. No, I finished. Go ahead. Oh, I think somebody else. I don't know. I think I think I agree with you and I disagree with you. But, but I'm not. You know, I've been to college campuses. I went to Cornell. I went to Wash U Law School. Uh, I've been to Pepperdine. I was at Pepperdine for a while. Um, I haven't. So let me talk about what I agree with first. I agree with you that people are saying they've been uh, they are being abused or they've been abused when they are having conversations where they don't get their way um like for example um i i don't know when the video was released but i saw it a couple days ago a video of this conservative guy named stephen crowder having a conversation with his wife and uh-huh. everybody is saying it's abuse i put it i put it up an, uh, a 40 minute video going line by line what by what happened saying i it could be abusive, but there's no clear evidence that this is abusive at all. And it might be that the woman is the one being abusive, possibly. And he does accuse her of being abusive in that video. And and even the people on this conversation possibly might say, oh, no, Troy, no, no. The guy was definitely abusive. I don't know, because it seems pervasive that uh, that that he's being labeled abusive for that. And I watched that through the lens of my experience. And I saw a lot of things in there that didn't seem that it seemed very weird if you if you want to look at the video that i posted on that you can so there's definitely the situation he didn't he didn't put hands on her no well not on that video for certain for sure actually that she didn't even allege she i'm pretty sure they're getting divorced now i'm pretty sure she's never alleged physical abuse at all um although she did allege that it's not on the video but she says at some point after the video or something i don't know that he said i'm gonna fuck you up or something i don't know but it, it wasn't on the video i I heard that he admitted it. I don't know. I've never seen the admission. I don't know. But anyway, there's definitely that's just one example, and it's a clear example because videotaped of conversations. He was just asking her to like walk the dog or something, or like before she went out. You can see, you can you can check it out. But conversations are being labeled abusive. That's happening, and that's bad, and that needs to be fought against. I have not seen in my time at college campuses. Well, first of all on any abuse allegation, 
it could be true or it could be false. So we need actual evidence. That's the main thing. We need evidence. Okay. Now, but, but, but the theory that people are saying I've been physically abused or sexually abused to get some kind of benefit out of it, that could be true. That is definitely true when they have kids with the person, when they're trying to get child support, et cetera, or, or when they're just a vindictive ex. Uh, but, but I've, and so, so there are benefit, there are real benefits, even just punishing other people that are associated with, it. but the people on college campuses, they don't have kids. They're not really trying to punish their exes. They're just saying I was abused as a child. I was abused as, I have not seen them get benefits. I know that people give them sympathy and stuff, but I don't know why you would view that as a benefit if you were mentally healthy. So, that's the uh, I'm not sure about that one. That's that again. That's the benefit. Attention is the new currency. Right. They're not, they're not. They're not mentally stable. So on the surface, they look mentally stable. They get up. They go to work. And we all got something off with us. I'm not. I'm not poking fun at mental health or anything like that. Um, they get up. They go to school. They go to work. They live a functional life. But if I can get this extra attention and I can be important so to speak a lot of women will use that as excuse because guess what again it's par for the course i'm a black woman i had to have been abused me that's well, I, that's I literally I, the I term don't disagree. i don't disagree that's the, with you. that's, all, that's all the I'm, me too yeah, that's the me I'm too saying, term mm -hmm. all i'm saying and and it's a it's a subtle point and it's a it's a comp it's a little bit of a complicated point a little bit maybe it's just that like what you said they're not all there i that's what i'm that's my theory that these people who are doing this have something off with them. Now, you agreed with that, I think, but you also said everybody's got something off with them, which might be true also. It might be that our entire society has mental disorders of various types well, when, or or almost all. I mean, and I think so it comes down to functionality, though. Yes, with, that's right. That's, between, that's right. It does. Between that's the right, social does. aspect where here, I wouldn't, like I got me, military-wise, I'm diagnosed with depression. So, but I don't want to harm anybody. I don't want to see any harm done just all based off of my words. So I, I, I don't think this is just me personally. This is just a Kofaism that doesn't represent Dr. T.S.R. Johnson or any of his affiliates. This is just a Kofaism. When you have somebody who can intentionally inflict harm based off their words, one, something's wrong with them because they want to see it. But two, something isn't quite wrong with them because they know it's wrong, but they know the society they're standing in. They know it can be weaponized. Uh -huh. And I don't, I don't think we've gotten to the point. Maybe doc knows. I don't know. I don't think we've got the point uh, scientifically or academically where we name that gray area where something is actually off, but you're cognizant enough to use it as a weapon. I don't think we've gotten to that gray area yet. But let me let me add this. Let me add this real quick. Um, and and what I want to do, I'm, I'm gonna let Troy finish his point, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna offer a closing question, and we're gonna go uh, from Ian um, to Kofa to Malika to Deadset, and then to Troy. Um, you know, as far as that. So, but let me just quickly say, I'm I wasn't talking about disorder for a reason, because one of the things that I think has greatly contributed to a culture uh, where there's a certain type of social equity behind claiming a particular degree of victimization, I think social media has played a great deal into this culture. We're talking about a, a global kind of dynamic almost where it, the, the currency is attention. 
And for women most particularly, one of the ways they've been able to even form a political basis to even secure resources, a lot of this since the late 1960s has been very much tied to presenting women as victims as a means of establishing uh, not only a culture, uh, but also a political kind of uh, a, a substantive uh, dynamic in play. I mean, this is all tied. You're talking about policies like uh, VAWA, you're talking about resources, you're talking about family court, all of these different institutions that leverage resources on behalf of women are very much tied to victimization. And so when I talk about this in, in terms of this idea of social, e social equity around attention and around victimization, it's not just a delusional thing that people wake up one day with. There is a material basis that reinforces and justifies, incentivizes really this type of dynamic where being able to articulate yourself on some of these lines is actually reinforced in the environment you're in, especially in an environment like uh, higher education. These ideas, most particularly coming out of uh, intersectionality, have only added to that, right? Well, what is intersectionality? The idea that you are oppressed as a woman based on your race, class, sex, and gender, and other categories. We're seeing the language of the currency of attention and victimization being weaponized materially, politically, organizationally, these, these things have been happening for decades. Then you get social media, which adds to it that much more. I would be surprised if we didn't have a culture of this with all of these kinds of things happening historically and in terms of the larger society. But I'm gonna let Troy speak and then I'm gonna pose a, 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 a final question and kind of work it back to Troy from Ian. But go ahead, Troy. Virtually everything you just said is true. It is my own case. It, there's undeniably res resources and child support and all kinds of things uh, to incentivize women and, and possibly men sometimes um, to uh, make false accusations and play the victim. That's absolutely true. Um, and, uh, and I, I just, but when, and but even to use those resources, like like in my case, the person that wants to use that to destroy her own child's life does does in my case have mental disorders and trauma. Oh, no question, right? No document. Okay, right. and I imagine that every I imagine that most I could imagine somebody who's healthy and just say, hey, I just want to take advantage of the system. Let's do it. But I I it's very it's kind of hard for me to imagine, but I could I could imagine. But then when you get into, it's, it's a broad spectrum of support. When you get into just going after sympathy and not really any material benefit, although, although attention can be monetized and, you know, and stuff like this, but the way, the way I, there, I don't think we should lump everything together. And I don't think it's just an academic discussion either, which is it this or this, and it doesn't really matter. Here, here's, here's one impact. As a black man or as a man, if you want to have a family or a wife or a girlfriend, you're going to have to choose one of these women. Okay. So either you can have the theory that the system's corrupting even every healthy person. And so no woman's safe, or you can get a little bit more, what I would consider nuanced and say, there's actually a psychological profile or several that will, that you can delve into and you could separate the bad ones which might be 50% of them. I don't know. It might be 90%. I'm not sure. And you don't even have to be that bad because once you get into having kids and relationships, there are material benefits. So just even a little bad 
might be enough to push somebody in that direction. So you got to find the 1% or 10% or 20% or 50% or whatever of women that are totally psychologically healthy. And if you can do that, which I've done uh, with my wife, then you can have a great relationship and a, and a great life with that person. But, but if, but if you don't view the nuance, then you're going to start looking at, well, any woman is corruptible and, and will do this to me. And then, and then I don't know where you go from there. I guess you just stay single or, or maybe you sign contracts with people, but you know, you can't sign any child support child because those contracts will be just thrown out basically. So, 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 but you just never going to have a family and you just have, you have one night stands with women or something, and then you get them to sign a contract every time you do or something. I don't know. But I think, but I'm just, yeah, I think there's a lot of guys who, who look at it in terms of Western culture. And so you have a, you have a dynamic where, where men are actually looking at environments where uh, women are raised in a wholly different cultural milieu. But I think there's a number of, of different ways to approach it that don't have to necessarily require anything massive, like just walking away from all women. But, but, you know, but, but here's, here's the thing. So again, uh, it was, it's about almost two and a half hours. I want to give Troy the opportunity to, to close out, but I want to start it by asking this question. I'm going to first ask it to Ian, then Kofa, then Malika, then Deadset. So Ian, question on the table is, you know, based on the things we've talked about, the things you've experienced, what would you say to younger men listening to this, essentially your younger self, uh, what would you say they should do or not do in relation to the things you've experienced and the decisions you made when you were in the, in, in the past? What would you tell young men? Um, man, that's a difficult, um, do or not do in regard to what you've experienced. Okay. With regard to what I would do, I would tell them, um, not to give, I would, I would essentially, because essentially I really didn't become successful in dealing with women until in the recent past when I was dealing with a girlfriend who was being abusive. Right. Um, you know, one time they used to hit her army. She tried to she, we had an argument and she tried to drop kick me. You know what I'm saying? Type of thing. I mean, like, you know, and that, you know, this is and this is the same female that come back and and talking about she needs my love. And, you know, I mean, this it's madness. But essentially, you know, because I still I, I didn't I never stopped loving her. But but this time I left and I didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> and but essentially what I had to do, right? And and I don't know if I can teach this or this is teachable. I had to not give give her give give my my heart fully to her. You know what I'm saying? And 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 before I I, I guess I felt if I didn't give my heart and soul to a woman, you know, I was I was robbing her. You know what I'm saying? And so okay. and so what I what what I essentially had to do was was not feel guilty in not giving my heart fully to a woman. And, and so once I was able to do that, I was actually able to dominate somewhat the relationship or not, you know, I mean, it was dominate to, 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 to see things from a higher, higher looking down, I was able to, man, to, to maneuver where I wanted to be based on what her behavior was, you know, I, I still loved her, but it was a, it was a nuanced, uh, um, part of a, a thing that I did where I didn't give her fully myself when, and, and I realized, okay, I need to be giving myself first that, 
that love, you know, that fully that love, God, myself, and then she comes second. So that that would be be the advice: never give your heart. Like 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 they said, like like he said in the movie Tropic Thunder, never go full. Um, what was it? What he said? Don't he said don't go full. Um, I know one of y'all seen it. Yeah, yeah. He said yeah. He said he said. <laughs> He said, don't go for retard. You're never going to pull retard. I'll say it for you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, would, that, would be my, that would be my advice. Okay. okay. Hey, man, I appreciate you coming up, Ian. Thank you, brother. I um, appreciate you. All right, man. Let me go all to right. uh, Kofa with the same question. Uh, what would you tell younger brothers uh, about what to do or not do based on your experiences up to this point in regard to the things we're talking about? So what I would tell, and it's crazy, I was working on a video for quite some time. I'm trying to pinpoint stuff to tell my younger self. So I would tell the younger brothers, I'm going to start out with the way I close my videos. Mm -hmm. You matter. You're not crazy. Mm -hmm. make, make better choices. Okay. That's how I end all my videos. So what I would tell, that's the first thing. That's what I want you to understand is that you matter. You're crazy. You're not crazy. And to make better choices. I want you to understand that. What I would tell you not to do is not to accept things and let it become the norm from a, from certain people. Okay. You know when that when the I'm going to use the F word when your feelings are going on, when you got uh -huh. that gut feeling in your heart, your mind cuz man, we got intuition too. We just don't get told that, you know, there's a such thing as man's intuition. When uh -huh. you know something is wrong, you cut it off at the knees. You cut it off as soon as it starts. So don't allow people to mistreat you. Stop being so forgiving. What I would tell you to do, everything that you're giving to everybody else, uh, give to you. Okay. Give to you. Because with with if you're this spearhead for everybody else, if everybody else can call you when something real is going on, I'm talking money, somebody's sick, that type of stuff, real life, not the attention, not, hey, let's go out and drink. When If they're, you're the person that they're calling, especially if you're a younger man, you're well on your way to becoming a solid, that quote unquote high value man. Because people already trust you to take care of real shit. It's not playtime with you. So if they're asking you to do that, it's it's don't take it as usury. Take it as a, wear it as a badge of honor, but don't allow them to use you the wrong way, if you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So if you're being asked to do real stuff, go forward with it. But make sure you give yourself some of that too. Uh, most of it, you can't okay. pour from an empty cup. Appreciate that, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on, dog. Appreciate everybody else, man. Appreciate the story, Troy. Amen. Thanks for coming up, y'all. Support uh, Growth Talk with Kofa. Go to the channel, subscribe, uh, and support what he's doing over there. All right, brother. Thank y'all. Night. All right, uh, brother Malika, coming to you. Same question. Um, you know, what would you tell younger men to do or not do? In the relation in relation to your experiences and what we're talking about tonight, I just broke it down with four ideas. If a woman tells you she has been abused in any kind of way mm. in the past, be cautious. Mm. Um, if a woman exhibits any form of physical, mental, or spiritual abuse to you, leave. Mm. Mm. Vet women. Mm. Vet them. Ask questions, 
look into their family history. Like Troy said, does this person have a history of abuse in their family, psychological abuse? Ask her about her past relationships. Ask her about different things going on and whatever it is. And if she starts to wince and she's giving you the side eye and wonder why you're asking her so many questions, that's a red flag. Leave. And for a brother, if you ever have problems from family, from past relationships, or just problems going on, period, get therapy for your trauma. All right. Appreciate that, man. Uh, especially the last minute nature of my re- my request for you to come up. Thank you, brother. Um, Thank you, brother. All right, man. All right, I'll let you go. But appreciate you. Um, dead set. Same Sorry. question, brother. What would you tell younger men to do or not do in relation to what we're talking about and what you've experienced? Succinctly, I would tell them to pay attention to their environment because an environment will often dictate how women act in general. Understand movements like women's suffrage or Me Too and how they coincide with legal philosophies like the chilling effect mm. or things like that. Um Learn and research broad issues and weigh them against what you read and what you see. Know that the world is bigger than your locality and seek better things elsewhere because what's considered, what's often considered best in the world may not be what's best for you as an individual. Mm. And when you make, and when you can make reasonable predictions about women and the environment that the majority of them, that, you know, that the majority of the time we can make reasonable predictions about them, then I would say then that you are more ready to step into deeper relationships. And that includes fatherhood. Okay. Much appreciated, man. Thank you, yes, sir. Thank you for coming up. I put a link to uh dead sets uh, channel. One of his videos earlier into the chat, support his channel, support the work he's doing. Um, and definitely keep your ear to the ground whenever the brother tells you about what's going on in his life, because it will give you pause. And you will need to take notes. So shout out to Deadset. Uh, Troy, I want you to answer the same question. And then I want you to kind of give your closing thoughts. And I do want to make sure you don't leave until you tell people how to find you. How can they find information about your, what you're doing, your organization? Uh, so those are the three things. You know, answer the question, give your closing thoughts, and let people know how to find you. Question is, what would you tell younger men to do or not do in relation to what you've learned from your experiences? I will uh, post a link to my Facebook profile in the, or maybe you can into the comments so anybody can find me. Because the first thing I would tell people to do is if you, if you're about to get good advice from this comment, then that means, uh, and this short comment, then that means you need more. Mm. And so reach out for help because this is not going to be enough. Okay. This is complex stuff. And we're dealing with social systems and psychological patterns, and you need more than just the advice that you heard at the end of this talk. So, and, and you, even if you've been through the situation, you already know more, you might still need more. So don't rely on just this video. Oh, now I'm ready. No, you're not ready. Second thing, you're especially not ready, perhaps, for, in, for adding children to the mix. Mm. That's... You know, if you add children to the mix, the way our social system is set up, the way the court system is set up, it is corrupt. It doesn't run like anything that you would imagine. Do not have kids unless you have carefully vetted the person. And the person 
having children understand that even if a even if a person doesn't have specific trauma related to kids coming out of their vagina like my mm -hmm. my ex had childbirth and rearing children is a difficult process just normally in our society we're not there's not a lot of support given to parents and so so just that stress alone plus other things that could be going on in your or your ex's life or, or your or your partner's life at the time you have kids could trigger even a sort of off person to go off the deep end, which they're encouraged to do by lawyers and court systems. Huh. So you have to vet the person before having kids. Now you don't even want to get in a relationship with a crazy person without kids, but at least without kids, you can probably leave unless you're being, you know, physically threatened. I'm going to kill you if I leave or something like that. But if you don't have kids, they're probably not that deep into it. So the kid thing is a critical decision point. Um, but 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 still do vet people before that and don't just start relationships like they're just they're not just something to play with. Um, they, they, maybe that would be a good thing. I don't know. But in our current system, they are dangerous things. Mm. Uh, don't toy around with them and think you can just, you know, start a relationship with this person or that person it's got to be a more serious thing if you want to protect yourself now it might go okay if you're not serious and things might be fun and whatever but i think the approach to relationships has to shift to um an acknowledgement that most people given the social system they're operating in and perhaps their trauma history and various other factors things can go off and things can go badly off and you don't want to be in that situation indeed indeed um, what would you say are next steps for you in terms of what you're dealing with? What's, what's the next step? Well, I have a lot of next steps right now. I have to get off this call and file something with the court of appeals so that I can get priority hearing on the appeal of my recently denied DVRO. I have to file a second, a DVRO, the abuse litigation with more details, unnecessary details, but more, much more details so that I can try to get the judge to change his mind. I have to file the opening brief in my other appellate case from the time when I beat her litigation, but was denied my attorney's fees and was, and also uh, not just that, but those were the illegal custody orders first issued and maybe those can get reversed. Um, and other than that, I'm raising my daughter and loving my wife and my second daughter, who I get to see obviously. And, um, and other than that, um, I'm trying to help, uh, I'm running my business. Uh, I teach people how to get into law school, how to do the LSAT test and basically advanced reading and reasoning and thinking skills. And, um, and other than that, I'm trying to spend some time helping other people who are going through these issues. That's part of why I'm on this call today. So, so I can get the word out to people so they can avoid these problems for themselves, um, or, uh, or deal with the problems that are currently occurring. And, uh, and that's my life right now, although I'm thinking of, uh, of other businesses and books to write and all kinds of things, but I don't have time to nearly do any of the, all that stuff I listed. So those, stuff, those other things are on the uh, back burner right now. I bet. Uh, do me a favor. Not only uh, give me the Facebook link, but if you want people uh, you know, to tap into your business, people that may want help getting into law school, give us a link um, so people can find you know, how to how to sure. cure your I could, I could tell you that right now. It's best. B E S T L and I'll give it to you later. Best LSAT L S A T. That's the test. Best LSAT tutor.com. Uh, I'm 
the best LSAT tutor in the world. So I got the best LSAT tutor uh, thing uh, URL. And um, if you want help learning how to articulate yourself, understand communication, lift, listen carefully and uh, in an analytical fashion, uh, uh, kind of uh, getting really deep into every every point that's made and being able to respond to it effectively. That's uh, that's basically what I'm teaching people for the LSAT test. It's just a it's just a broadly useful skill set that lawyers have to have if they want to be competent. And um, and uh, yeah, and then my my Facebook is just facebook.com backslash Troy T R O Y D Daniel Pasulka P A S U L K A. But I'll put both of those links in the description later. Please do. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate that. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. My best to you and your, your family. Have a good All right, night. have a good one. Right. Yeah, powerful. A lot of uh, serious testimonies. Um, please continue to extend them in the comments section. Let us know what you've been through. Let us know what you're thinking about. Let us know your reactions to some of the discussion. You know, continue the, the discourse uh, in the comment section so we can learn from each other, support one another. Um, nevertheless, I appreciate y'all's support tonight. Uh, again, uh, you know, support the Onyx Report. Uh, you can become a member on Patreon and support both the Institute for uh, Black Male Studies, the Onyx Report, and the uh, Onyx TV Network. You can support all of that by becoming a patron of the channel. So just uh, go to Patreon, as you can see the link uh, or the uh, URL on the screen at the bottom left. Uh, but you can also cash app, PayPal, Venmo, Super Chat. Uh, help us to continue bringing you independent Black Male Thought. Y'all have a good one. Appreciate y'all. I am here to tell you, brothers, we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic and selfish and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace.